1: and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central weekly podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. And we've made it to the end of another year, the end of 2021, and this is our end of year awards episode. Woo!
2: Yeah. Pucha.
1: Yes. Uh, this is Miranda Morales being joined by, well, of course, the rest of the trio introducing first. He is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy.
3: Hey, hey, hey. How's it going, Miranda?
1: I am doing well. And of course, we cannot do this show without who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. Hey,
2: That's you. hey it's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> It's that holiday spirit. <laughs> yeah, the holiday
1: spirit coming yeah. over you, freezing your body.
2: Making me have to drink hot cocoa. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I have my cup of coffee. I'm not going to lie. I have it in my Balor cup uh <laughs> mug because uh, I am a Mark but whatever Uh, I own it uh, and uh, we should all too but we are excited to do our second annual end of year awards episode for the lucha central weekly podcast myself dusty and brendan have compiled a list of nominees and categories that we have thought is the best of this year. This is actually going to be a two-part two, two part episode where in this episode we provide you with all of the categories and nominees. And in the next episode is where we share all of our winners. So if you want to know who wins, you're going to have to tune in for next week. But this week we're going to let you know our categories and the individuals individuals and teams matches well i'm not going to reveal too much right now but you'll you'll see in a few you have uh, a pretty every, good
2: idea yes if you, <laughs> if you imagine what it, what you're imagining is probably right yes yeah
1: before we get started don't forget that the lucha central weekly podcast is part of the lucha central podcast network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, PodBay, Speaker, and more. And, of course, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is also distributed through our partners at TheChairShot.com. So, 2021, we did it. A year that, man, I think we were all looking (laughs) forward to after 2020. Am I
2: right? Yes. Nobody was liking 2020. Like, that was just the year everybody wanted to forget.
1: (sighs) Yes. Uh, And, you know, it (laughs) was the year of our conception as a podcast, so we will always be grateful for 2020. But we could not be more excited for (laughs) 2021 (laughs) as we saw. Uh, Shows truly come back into form. Audiences come back. Uh, Companies grow. Uh, Possibly some companies fold and really, you know, a a resurgence of wrestling into the mainstream. Before we really get into uh, our nominees, I just want to get kind of your guys' brief thoughts on 2021. So, Dusty, I'll I'll start with you first. What were your thoughts on, you know, the year that was in wrestling in
3: 2021? Um, I was kind of baffled i guess in a way that 2021 was the year when literally everybody else shined and wwe just miserably failed they had so many pieces of the puzzle so many cards and parts in motion that they could have really done great you know everybody said you know wwe's got their back to the wall that's when they do their best product but that's not the case this year. I mean, they put out some really terrible stuff and, uh, I mean, just not fun, not entertaining, didn't serve to get anybody over just bad year for the de- fans, at least of WWE. And that was very surprising to me, given the kind of expectations everybody had after 2020 for them.
1: Brendan, what were your thoughts of this year?
2: Well, I'm in a similar vein with Dusty. Um, I, when I'm, when I was looking at, at stuff we were doing, when I was looking at my notes for shows over the year, I mean, I know that, that I'm the indie roundup guy cause I like indie stuff, but it was the surprise, it, the story of the year seems to be the surprising promotion stepping up your, your ROHs, your MLWs, like they came in with bigger, better content than the big two. And I'm, I'm sorry to AEW to include you in that cause you're still miles ahead of what wwe gave us but uh you know we had a we had a, a huge step up from co- promotions like that and I'm, I'm gonna leave somebody i'm positive i left somebody off of the list uh uh for that that on the minor leagues that stepped up, and not even minor leagues the the lower promotions that stepped up but i thought just it's interesting and our our uh awards are kind of going to reflect a lot of that
1: yeah, I have to agree. I think there was definitely some moments that felt very baffling um and a big change in the world of pro wrestling really with a lot of what happened with WWE. Um but also I felt like there was companies that really stepped up to the plate. Um I will have to say like an MLW. I think that they really were able to take advantage of the landscape changing uh Absolutely. of being able to provide niche programming. I feel like some pro or some companies too are still Figuring it out uh, and and are going in new directions and still are kind of we're still in maybe in in some planning modes. Ones that have kind of come to mind is the NWA. Um, yep. I would admit that they do have more of a lucha presence now. I mean, right? They're 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 tag team champions or or luchadors, you know, um, and they've had more of a, a lucha presence as of, of late. Um, but still, I think you could tell with the difference and change that they've had with production and format that I don't think it has kind of the same fire that it had. Uh, but also, you know, with the all woman show that they had uh, I feel like still being very progressive and, and finding their footing. Um, one thing that too, like an impact who had a lot of high hopes coming into 2021 with that partnership with AEW that fell completely a hundred percent flat on the face
2: oh no this we're, so, we're gonna stay positive i'm not gonna yes talk yeah about yeah that. We're, not gonna, <laughs> we're
1: not gonna jump into that uh that's partly the first and last so i think that there was some things and these are just my you know changes in nxt you know um even now as we head into yeah. the the end of year with kind of a big question mark looming over ring of honor um you know i think that that ends up impacting how you know wrestlers are able to find opportunities and matches uh but also the independent scene still being thriving you know yeah and and being in a bigger
2: and better way than before they they really stepped up
1: yeah
2: uh i I, i'm gonna just go ahead and make a prediction since you've made a couple you've you've dropped a couple hints on that i think next year we're gonna see almost no nxt will be interesting to see if we uh, see roh or not that is really up in the air nxt based on their direction we well, probably our show is probably not going to talk about them much less so uh yeah. uh it'll be interesting to see where where that uh, that void gets filled in too cuz they were a big part of our 2020 and our 2021
1: yeah, very true. And I'm sure we'll know as we go through these categories, um some people who maybe we talked about a lot last year that we haven't, maybe some surprises as to why they're not on there. We'll see where the conversation takes us. But I know you guys are ready. So let's roll with this year's end of year awards. Our first category is one that is near and dear to our hearts, and that is Rising Star of the Year. This is a category that we specifically created last year to recognize those um, in the independent scene that are getting uh, the opportunities, the recognition, the matches that have really stood out this year. So we have... Five nominees in this category. Some of these names, well, it will make sense to you. Some of these, maybe not. But we'll go through them and then discuss, uh you know, why we chose these names. Uh, first nominee for Rising Star of the Year is Danny Limelight, or Rivera, if you yeah. know him from MLW. <laughs>
4: yeah. We
1: have also two other names that may be familiar in MLW, uh, but also in the world of Independent Lucha Libre, and that's Artemis. And Aris. Uh Artemis and Ares as well. Uh, and again, it seems like you can't have one without the other. So that's why I we had to list them <laughs> they both. They
2: both got nominated, yeah. Uh,
1: we have, of course, a friend of the show, mainly Dusty's, but someone that we <laughs> talked about frequently and has been making a bigger splash around the U.S., uh, but of course as well as being a, a regular on AAA television, Mr. Iguana. And of course, well, she's the prodigy herself, the reigning Ring of Honor women's champion, Rock C. So gentlemen, let's discuss this category, some pretty notable names, people who we have uh, you know, seen very consistently um out in the in the world, uh, but names that really have all made their mark in one way or another in twenty twenty one.
2: So I, I mean, I'm gonna lump three of them together as to why I think they were on this list, uh, for, as in for me. Ares, Aramis, and Mr. Iguana are all huge stars in Mexico that, whose star has been, Mr. Iguana's been climbing up the ranking in AAA. He's a guaranteed draw at any indie show he goes to. Ares and Aramis have been, uh, have been talked about in the, and, and, Brought up on, in conversations about who's going to be a sleeper or hit hit star, and all of them have started to make a big impact in in the in America and mostly the indie Absolutely. scene. Uh, you know, all of them have done done shows in Chicago and Dallas and California. So they're um, they're all in in a similar category where they're a big name to to the niche fans of Mex- Mexico in America and now they're going to they're uh I don't want to go as far as saying household names but to american wrestling fans they're becoming quite notable that's yeah that, it's absolutely
3: true yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, no. i mean this was the year that all of them and like you say name recognition is huge and i mean mr iguana ari's uh, i think mr iguana more was more recognizable last year maybe than ari's and aramis aramis but this year, I, I think they're all equally recognizable. They've got presence in MLW. They've got presence – uh, not Mr. Iguana, but um, Ari Zaramis. Right. And, and they've got presence on the indies. Uh, that's really helped them catch up. And it's – if you're an indie yeah. fan, wrestling fan, you know those names. Even if you don't know them, even if you can't recall where you've seen them, you know the names now because they're mm-hmm. they're becoming very common. and That's exciting. Uh, but somebody else's – name very common this year danny limelight he was in AEW. Yeah. he was in mlw he's been in the indies everywhere he's in the new uh LAX. I mean, he working with Conan. I mean, things are you talk about a big year. I mean, I don't want to yeah. discount Mr. Iguana, but Danny Limelight had yeah. an huge, insane year this
2: year. Huge, huge year. Uh I the other thing that you didn't mention, he's also in the entertainment industry. So he's a yeah. he is he made a movie. Yeah. Even more in in everybody's faces than anybody else on this list. Like if you you want to talk about building your brand, Danny Limelight had the best year. And does that yeah. make him the rising star? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Miranda, I, I know so. you've got a lot of opinions yeah. on Danny cuz Well,
1: no, old. I I what I want to say is very unique about Danny is that he was one of the first people that we I think collectively as a fan base thought AEW was going to focus attention on. Um and then when that you know he he continued to not to work with them and shifted focus in MLW i think there was a lot of people who thought that was good, that was a risk uh because AEW yeah. had the resources and the television to uh you know to create stars which we've seen but what we also started to see is that people got lost in the shuffle people mm-hmm. got lost in the mix and uh, maybe it was more of a blessing in disguise that they decided you know to to part ways or just that you know Danny went in a different direction with MLW because now I think you get to see a side of him and he really is, you know, one of those top stories in MLW. I mean, now he's, you know, one half of the MLW world tag team champions. Um, and they're, you know, beating one of the longest reigning tag champions in Los parks. So it seems like MLW, um, is putting that focus on Danny and 5150 that maybe he wasn't going to be able to get an AEW and de- it, yeah. it, was, it was a risk, but it was one that w- is seeming to pay off.
2: I definitely think that he invested, he gambled on himself and I think he's yeah. probably winning. Like, you know, yes, some fans absolutely. are going to mention that AEW has more, more eyes, you know, television and way more cities, but, uh, the, The fact is that he's in a high he's in high profile profile matches in a wrestling fans Mm -hmm. wrestling company. Yeah.
1: And the, uh, yeah, the opportunities that yeah, allowed him to go yeah. to, to Mexico where, you know, yeah. he Slice defended uh the belt. I think that it, it still affords him more international opportunities yep. than what we would, you know, see with other companies. He's still very active on the independent scene as well. Yep. And, yeah. you know, again, uh, actively pursuing, a, you know, a career in Hollywood. So I think that I think, he's been able yeah. to find all of those elements are coming together in the right way.
2: I think that is the main if I were to speculate that would be the main reason uh of this choice is that yeah. with with being an indie star that happens to work at MLW sometimes he's free to also pursue his entertainment stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh I can tell you from experience if you're with AEW, you don't have a life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you yeah. are you are doing so much stuff with AEW. Yeah. Uh, well-
1: I was gonna say, I, I do want to jump to Roxy because yep, she is yep. one, I mean, talk about <laughs> strapping a rocket to someone. Uh oh huh. She's really yeah. gone to the moon and beyond. I mean, this was all starting in what, April of this year. Um, when she made her debut in Ring of Honor and became part of the Women's World Championship tournament. Very much an underdog going into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, gosh, she's what? Twenty years she's old. Twenty. Twenty. She's she not like even old
3: enough to drink
2: in most states. Title. And and she is yeah. a
1: world champion. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh so she's yeah. the
2: definition of the rising star. Like you you just like you said, she went she came up, she was the rookie, and then she just shot up. There's a, I mean, we had to put her on this list. Uh just absolutely. Uh, I do want to to because when we talk about Roxy, we also talk a lot about Miranda Alizé, who did not make it on this list. And I want to talk a little bit about why I didn't personally nominate her. I don't know what, what your guys is. The two of them wound up in the finals, uh, for ROH's women's championship and Roxy got the rocket strap to her. She got the belt put on her. And we were going to have a feud, which I think would have catapulted them both into, uh, wrestling history. We would have been talking about them for years to come. But because of what happened with ROH, I don't even know if we're going to see a rematch of that. Like I, I, I on, 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 in an ROH ring yeah. for the ROH yeah. women's title.
1: And, and, and um, I think, yeah, too, it's just for the time span and yeah. really the growth that we've seen. Between the two, uh, mm-hmm. between you know uh, this this time span, I think it's it's safer to say that, um, and not necessarily growth as a wrestler, but just more of you know the the placement. Yeah. Um, they you know Roxy has really jumped leaps and bounds. Well, and that's yeah,
2: exactly. She she's she, I felt like she had a bigger jump. Uh, she's also going to be in, in history as the, that women's champion when RO, on ROH's final mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. So, like, she always will have that recognition as being that person, even if she turns into a, a, a 50 year old that's appearing in WWE product having, giving birth to children from mannequins. Like, you know, just Google it, kids. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that that was my i i uh, there's a lot we can say i just don't want to be the only one that's saying it so yeah
1: yeah no and and i think too with the teasing of a champ you know t- a title or champion takes all match or winner takes all match between her and AAA Reina de Reina's champion Diana Pratt, so again even though that has not happened just the teasing of that Puts her in, you know, just a a different echelon, a different level. Um, and, and, and again, it's very comparable. Both had a very similar parallel journeys, but I think with. Having Roxy as champion, um, mm-hmm. just puts yes. her just a, a little bit of above, um, Miranda Alizé in this category. But she also had a phenomenal year. Yeah. Um, I really think that Miranda has come, she's been in her own, but I think as a yeah. character, as that hybrid of Lucha mm-hmm. Libre and American style, I would say that Miranda Alizé has that. Way better than almost anyone out in professional mm. wrestling. Period. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like that, in alignment with our show, you know, puts her on that that edge. But I think, as as you mentioned, Brendan, as far as a rising star and someone who epitomizes, um, you know, someone who's getting that rocket strapped to their back to the moon and beyond, it is absolutely Roxy.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. The championship just gives her the edge.
1: Yes, yes, and she is she won that title at 19, so yeah. she well, is actually. Yeah, well, that's it you <laughs>
3: too. I mean, yeah. uh, Miranda Elise is like 27. Not to knock her age by any means, but she's had eight more years of experience and so for roxy to be able to do that that soon at that age like we talked about this a lot in aw we're seeing the next generation of main event talent right in front of our eyes and it's incredible to be able to invest in that as a fan
2: so i do want to talk about you you mentioned the the so the difference in age is is one thing but you can uh it's uh, Wrestling is all about reps. It's all about the number of matches you've had. The, the veterans exactly. in the sport aren't yeah, necessarily – yeah. and all five of the people we nominated are people that did uh, extensive matches in the last two years. They took advantage of every opportunity in 2020 when almost nobody was booking. Uh, Roxy and Danny Limelight in particular were working five days a week in the second half of 2020 so you know yeah they they, roxy is showing is showing a lot of seasoning experience because she's put in the work and danny limelight is the same way aramis iris mr iguana are are all showing that they have the experience and part of what i look at at this is uh you know is that is that uh something that is causing them to rise up faster than other people of similar in similar places and
3: And that's how they've made their names is by hitting places. I mean they've made their reputation by showing up a ton of places and doing top quality work. I mean like these are top guys showing up, (laughs) and it's crazy some of the – like North Carolina. You you can go Mm -hmm. to see Mr. Iguana, North Carolina. Like that's cool. He's Mm -hmm. literally hitting everywhere, no spots left in between, and that's (laughs) how you make your name. I mean he – how you build your brand, and like it's incredible to see it.
2: Yeah, and that's – that's I think that's something they all have, so I really wanted to Absolutely. emphasize that, that they all hustled. I mean I'm going to constantly refer to – even though I said 2020 is the year to forget, people who we talked about and got noticed in 2020 are the ones that are now – they're filling this list up. Mm-hmm. You'll see, so – right,
1: Well. If you want to know who is our rising star of the year, you're going to have to listen to next week's episode. That is definitely going to be a category uh, that's going to be pretty hotly contested. I feel like a lot of the categories this year are pretty contested, Um, but uh you'll listen on as we talk more about them. Up next, Brendan, would you mind introducing our nominees for trios of the year?
2: Absolutely. Um we have, uh, so first off, we need to reestablish again. Trios of the Year is a very important Lucha Libre thing. Like, this is, uh, hugely, hugely impacting the the culture of Lucha Libre. You go back all the way to, like, the, the Brazos, who we talked about uh, quite a bit this year for various reasons. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, and, Negro Navarro and his, uh, Missionaries de la Muerte that just, uh, that revolutionized the trios and made it such a necessary thing that you now see a trios match guaranteed on every card. So this is part of why we're doing trios of the year. And I feel like we have some solid choices that this year, like a lot of these are, are real trios. They're trios that are, are kind of trying to find a way to deepen this tradition. And, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and name them off and then we're gonna have somebody, I, I'll let Dusty kick off with, with thoughts right when I'm done here. Uh, first up we have, uh, Nueva Generation Dinamite, D- uh, NGD, who worked both in CMLL and then the Indies and AAA later in the year. Uh, they, they made bigger news when they did that. We have La Impresa, who we've seen all over AAA lately, and they're, they're kind of more of a free bird style faction where we don't always know what three we're going to get, but, uh, we do have a number of people. And we can talk about that composition in a little bit. We have Legado del Fantasma from NXT. Uh, we've been talking about them forever. That is, uh, a, a trio, it's another true trio that they actually uh have been able to make into a notable trio in a in an area where n x t doesn't really have that they don't have trios titles they don't traditionally do a lot of trios work and then puerto del norte a perennial trio of the year and every award show <laughs> uh i mean like they 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 had a multi- multi year winning streak which was only broken this year and they only got more famous when they lost. Just, and then I, uh, we have the Infernals, which is a new trio this year, sort of. It's a r- returning version of the, of the original trios. They were inter- introduced by Satanico, who was in the original Inferno, uh, which is, consists now of Echicero, Euphoria, and Mephisto. So, um, Uh, This is the only trio on this list that doesn't have a lot of matches this year, but they made just as big of an impact just by existing. Uh, So I'm just going to go ahead. Dusty, do you have any thoughts on the trios this year?
3: Yeah, I I think that the two two that especially stand out for me are Nuevo Generación Dinamita and La Empresa, and for very similar reasons, although in different ways – the Nuevo generation Dinamita, they jumped from CMLL to AAA, and they did it as a group. Like, that's huge, these three guys. Obviously, there's some familial relation there, but to do it as a trio, I think, is huge. La Empresa, on the other hand, these were, if not main event, like very top-of-the-card guys with uh, Puma King and Diamante Azul, now DMT Azul, and then you have the addition of Sam Adonis, and he really adds a certain Genesis to the to the mix. Something about having that American heel in the mix and he does what he does so well, like he is just so good, and yeah. so believable, and it makes you, I mean, you love to hate these guys, like, I love Sam Adonis, but like, when you see him on screen, you're like, Sam Adonis, you know what, <laughs> what I mean, like, you're, yeah, <laughs> yes. you're so bad at he's it. so, he's so and, good, and he's so believable, and like, yeah. that yes. just... <laughs> Yeah, but the, it's also like he, he's yeah. not
1: out of place, though. He has
3: such a firm understanding
1: so well. of his mm-hmm. role and yes. even yeah. just the Spanish language and lucha libre that it's one of the rare things when you have an American in a faction, too, where it's not out of place. He's just as integral and just as embedded as any of the other members. And so I think that's what makes La Empresa that much more unique.
2: They're definitely the most unique on this list. Uh, 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 Poder del Norte and NGD are more traditional sort of trios. Yeah. Infernals is a callback to a traditional trio. We haven't seen enough of their identity, but they're probably going to be very traditional because they're still working in CMLL. So, yeah, super unique, impressive.
1: Uh I was just kind of, you know, the elephant in the room with Legato because, you know, that was mine on the weekend. <laughs> And that was really because it's more of a testament to how much, what they've survived Uh in 2021. And even though there was, you know, I mean, that whole hit row legato feud was something that uh, as much as it didn't live up or end on the note that we had all had hoped or thought of, it was one of the longest storylines in NXT. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that, almost survived to the 2.0 era. That kind of did.
3: The (laughs) fact that they survived to the 2.0 era, honestly, is commendable because... I, I for sure thought, especially when we heard Hit Row had been released, I thought, oh, no, Legado del Fantasma next. You know, like, that, no, that's, no, that's no, absolutely – Protect Legado! Protect <laughs> <and, laughs> I mean, like, I didn't see it being anything else, but they're still yeah. there, and that's honestly impressive. It means that they see something in them and have some kind of plans for them that we don't know about, and just their resilience over the year and being able to stay like that is a big deal. Yeah.
2: Right, and again – to When I introduced them they're the they're the faction they carved out their place they, they did yes they they you know they camped there to the point like where they survived, they won the feud with hit road by still existing
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it, I mean, they did was, it, true, I mean it was
3: still standing,
1: <laughs> it was kind of sad to see how um you know. Santos's reign as Cruiserweight champion ended and kind of like literally as soon he had spent all that time making that championship matter and important and rise up to a level of, you know, people wanting to watch. And as soon as he lost it and the series that happened after that just felt like they easily diminished that title in what, two months after you know, almost a year of work. So but I do think that Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde are an excellent tag team and the cusp that they have been able to get to that NXT tag title so close so many times it kind of breaks my heart but at the same time as a trio they continue to be strong and now again no other factions they're they're the longest fact you know reigning faction there too um and there's so much that that can, that can happen with them, um, even adding Electra to it. Yeah. Um. You know yeah. that in and of itself was, you know, we we talked about the storyline choices might not might still being kind of random for them, but they are still making it work. And through all of that in 2021, I absolutely agree. I think they've earned their nomination by just still standing.
2: <laughs> it's true. It's all, yeah, I mean, it, they, and they, to your point about Law and Press, so they're unique on this list, too, for yes. uh, uh, that reason, for carving out their own territory, they're they're unique, but also their overall style going in yeah. and saying, this is Lucha Legacy, this is, we want to um, make Lucha important, we want to make, you know, and being a trio, taking that storyline is important, so, I mean, the, their uniqueness is uh is pretty powerful and can't be overlooked in in the uh this category either. Yeah. Thank you.
1: All right, our next category dusty. Go ahead, and introduce us. What do we have up next?
3: We have the Tag Team of the Year. First up, we have Lucha Bros. If you have been watching pretty much anything in American or Mexican Lucha Libre, you've seen the Lucha Bros this year. They were champions in both uh AAA and AEW. They didn't carry it on throughout the year in AAA, but they were long-term AAA champions. Very you know, exciting team, obviously. We all love Pentagon and Phoenix. Next up, we had Los Inite- los Genetes del are. They had a big year. They had, you know, honestly a match of the year contender against the Lucha Bros in AAA. So, big year for them. We have the LAX team of Slice, Boogie, and Danny Limelight. I mean, we've mentioned them already. Like, huge year for these guys. We have Los faction Ingo Bernable, Dragon Lee, and Kenny King. Honorable mention to Dragon Lee and his brother Drillistico, but they just didn't do enough for me <laughs> this year. I mean, like we didn't see enough out of them, but Dragon yeah. Lee, big guy. Yeah. And then we also have Los Parks, MLW. You know, they, big, I mean, of course some trios work too, but big tag team. Uh, Brenton, do you want to start us off talking about you know what you think from this selection? Oh well, this was this was
2: one of the hardest categories for me here because there were a lot of good tag teams. Absolutely, that did a lot of this was a year things.
3: of yeah. tag team wrestling. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Like uh, we we narrowed it down to four and then five when I when we remembered that uh, somebody else had a big year. We'll, we'll go over that, but uh it, it's it it's uh yeah, I mean. How can you not talk about the Lucha Bros this year? They they have had huge high-profile matches on both AEW and AAA, which I believe is two, two promotions is unique to almost every two major promotions to, to on this list. I believe that is the unique one on this list. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, then you have all of these, you have MLW represented really well with, with, uh, 5150 and Los Parks on here. And then I chronicled what LFI did, uh, uh with the tag team stuff all mm-hmm. during ROH all year long. And I, I agree with you, Dusty. Dragon Lee and Kenny King were the better incarnation yes. of LFI in this year. Yes. But, uh, I, we're going to see big things out of that Dragon League or co tag team in the very near future, I guarantee. Um, I, yeah, Miranda, do you have any thoughts on the tag well,
1: teams? I feel like this year was a year where we could Really talk about the Lucha Bros in their fullest potential. I feel yes. like 2020, uh, was a year where we, I specifically remember us discussing the Lucha Bros and why they were not mm-hmm. featured, more being featured as, you know, a, a, a tag, a, team. A tag team and yeah. really going after the AEW tag team titles um in this year it felt like everything came together um it came together in their matches in their feud i mean go back to good old reliable but hey if it works it works their feud between you know from them and the young bucks you know yes. we know it works yeah. we know it's good you go back to it and damn did it deliver so mm-hmm. i felt like we could finally breathe that sigh of relief with the lucha bros and AEW and say finally they're they're working in the right piece
2: in the
1: right spots in the right
2: matches for yeah they're hit hit so so you 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 cued me in on something uh that i just had popped back into my head notable absence uh notably absent here is uh proud and powerful yeah who uh also we were talking about in that respect this so it'll be interesting if we get that lucha bros proud and powerful match in the next year we might be talking about both of them. In I this, know this, this category. And I, hope, I think
1: proud and powerful. They, they got to some really great moments, but I feel like they were still lost in the mix. Yeah, with, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like they were still being not held back, but they were just still within that mix of, um, what was it? Um, yeah, they were in a five on five feud. Yeah. The inner, yeah, the, inner, yeah the inner circle. They were more of a faction guys. Than yeah. Tech. The inner yeah. circle versus the pinnacle kind of feud. And, uh, just those things where I felt like they we couldn't really get them as the best in the in the tag team realm
2: no and right. uh, but i i was more we were talking it's just kind of for me the tale of two and and just so juxtaposing where the lucha bros are is kind of what i was thinking yeah. right they well,
3: uh and the, last year a big part of what made proud and powerful popular for tag team of the year was the the street fight that they got put into because Lucha Bros couldn't compete, you know, like yeah. they got that spot just by chance, and that was kind of their star-making appearance as a tag team, at least in AEW. Yeah, it's true. Instead of a faction group, so true. It, well, they're back where they would have been without that. Yeah. Well, well yeah, and, yeah.
2: Go ahead. So, oh, so I uh, just and to your point that they uh, lost the Lucha Bros really kind of filled into that potential that they missed out on last year Mm -hmm. because of uh, here they are as the champs and all of that. Sorry, Miranda, please go ahead.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. I just wanted to address the two MLW teams with Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight and those parks. I think for Slice and Danny, too, what some people may not know, but us West Coasters out here, too, is that they've been a team for quite some time. And as Danny had mentioned, you know, uh, United uh, Wrestling Network Tag Team Champions, um so they've also had a presence of uh, on the uh east or on the west coast. Um big upcoming match. I mean they they fought against War Beast at mm-hmm. uh, PCW Ultra and Ooh. heading to see them again soon. Uh, yeah. And Danny made a point when he talked with us is that they're going for every tag title that they can and now being MLW tag team champions is you know really just one a notch in that belt of, you know, collecting as many tag titles as possible. And so I feel like, you know, the presence that they have has already been fairly well established on the West Coast, but they are growing to become more dominant um, all throughout the U.S. And again, even their appearance in Mexico um, has been pretty well touted that
2: really raised their brand
1: yeah. yes yes and and with Lowe's parks they were one of the longest reigning mlw uh tag team champions uh i feel like you know their reign was a little bit more comical uh, of the utilization of twin magic of many a time <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: but they but, also had yeah. giant brawls and yes uh, yeah you know.
1: I mean, I think that that was, uh, something different for those titles as they did that reign and, you know, a inadvertent free, I mean, they did kind of have the free bird rule, as we've also, you know, mentioned with some, some other teams. Um, but I think it was more Ejolda LA Park and LA Park Jr. that really carried that with the presence of LA Park as that figurehead. Um, so, and of course, you know, you, you always had that, that difference in, Changing, changing things up, but it's it's good, you know. We had to recognize them as, you know, the center of the MLW tag team scene to the point where they did end up getting, you know, that feud with Fifty One Fifty over.
2: Yeah, and they they uh, had a like a year long title reign, but. I, I just, the other thing is that by being on MLW, that allowed them to light up the indies. Cause mm-hmm. there was, I've talked about Los Parks, one iteration or another being all over the indies in America and Mexico this entire year. And there was with the, you know, and it was, it was like you said, it was usually the boys that would do, do the, do the tag team. And then, uh, LA park would be in, in the main event yeah. somewhere, but they would always be branded and on the card and represented like it's yeah. hard to talk about a tag team having a better year than them yeah. so yeah
1: the the last thing i just want to say i mean those herentes de aire. yes i wanted to mention like them before a, we got out of here super, too gosh they're just so, so good big. individually <laughs> yes. and the fact that that like it's oh my gosh it's such a you, when, you have Laredo
3: like, Kid, Octagon Jr., Ildil Vaquingo, Mysticis Jr. I mean, like the lineup, and you could get yeah. any two of the four. Exactly. Like,
1: and I think it's almost like so superhero esque. It
3: know? is. Yeah, like think the Super Friends. Yeah, Avengers. like Super yeah. Friends,
1: like the Avengers, like the Justice League. Individually, they are outstanding. When, but the, when they are together, it is otherworldly. And, you know, it's almost like saying a tag team just doesn't do it justice. Um, You know, but I think that that's also the beauty of them is that they do work so well together um, when they, when they are a team, but just individually, they all are, you know, they all have their own pillar to stand on. Mm -hmm. And out of all of these teams, when you think about just individual amazing talent, that's up there. I mean, Lucha Bros, I feel like you could easily do that as well, but this like this is the Justice League of Lucha Libre.
2: Well, and so you bring up an interesting thing in that they are like the Lucha Bros that everybody's inevitably waiting for them to all to have their singles run too. So, yeah, it's true. they they uh they they're just this packed bundle of dynamite for any promotion that has them where you can just you know they're gonna show up as a tag team this weekend and light the tag team division on fire uh you know laredo kids gonna challenge the world for whatever gold they've got uh mm-hmm. you know just it's there's always something and there's always something that can happen just like the lucha Bros. so it's really they're both a, a top contender for tag team but they're just omnipresent they're like they could have been in any of these
1: categories yeah uh
3: Yeah, just an incredible team.
1: Yes. Well, that is it for our nominees for Tag Team of the Year. And, of course, you know, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. (laughs) We are on LuchaCentral.com as well as the other shows from the Lucha Central Podcast Network. But wait, there's more. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what else they can find on LuchaCentral.com?
2: All right, let's do this for the end of the year. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And here we go, guys. It's free, so there's no reason not to go there at all. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre.
1: Speaking of LuchaCentral.com, I know we still have a few categories to discuss, but you know what's going to be the big game changer next year? Uh, for 2022 that may throw all of this into a turmoil is what we see at Expo Lucha. Yes. Uh,
2: just the uh, matches we've already had announced, goodness.
1: Yes, yes. So uh that's gonna be the wild card factor that I think we uh we definitely are gonna have to keep our eyes on. And all of you, don't forget tickets for Expo Lucha are already available. Uh and make mm-hmm. sure you get them now. There is now a holiday special for your tickets where you can get bundles for, I believe, $60. Um, and of course, ticket prices ranging depending on the experience that you want to have at Expo Lucha, but make sure you look at tickets now. Uh, even though we're in, heading into the new year, June isn't that far away. Uh, so oh. Expo Lucha happening in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, the 11th and 12th of June, 2022. Um, it matches, exclusive signings, VIP experiences. All of that is going to be happening at Expo Lucha.
2: So as a person who's done both the GA and the VIP experience, uh, I can tell you, you still get a good bang for your buck out of the GA experience. There's uh, uh The arena that we were in before always had good seats. You just had to f- uh, find one and then kind of sit in it for a little extra long to make sure you had it. Uh but uh you still have access to tons of wrestlers. You have you have access to all of the shows. Last year, the last couple of shows there were four shows that you had access to with individual signing time and merchant availability as well. The VIP experience, what it added was more during the those downtimes, you had more opportunity for uh one on one contact with with the wrestlers or access to uh, access to the, uh, the lucha bowling night, which I, anybody who's ever conceived of, of going bowling with a man in a giant minotaur mask, that's, <laughs> you know, <laughs>
3: just say, sounds amazing. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to really say, uh,
1: can, can sounds like that? my
3: kind of party.
1: <laughs> Are we doing that? Can we ask the bosses if that's a thing?
2: Uh, Black Taurus has to agree to be at Lucha Bowl again, but, uh, I, I mean, I, I hope it, I hope he shows up. I hope that's a thing. Uh, we'll always give that pitch as part of the VIP experience, because that made the night for me. But, uh, uh, yeah, like, so you get, they're both great experiences, so don't feel bad if you're only getting the GA. You're getting a lot, and you're gonna, I guarantee with the, what we've seen and what I've talked to with Kevin and Ruben about what they wanna do, You're going to get a phenomenal mind-blowing experience out of this.
1: Well, we are heading into the second half of this show, and we have three more categories left. Up next is our Luchadora of the Year, and we have five nominees. Introducing first from NXT, former NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez. From Ring of Honor and all over the independent scene, Miranda Alizé, AEW and really the world's champion of our (laughs) hearts, La Mera Mera, Thunder Rosa. From the independent scene of Mexico and even someone who made her debut in the U.S. this year, Baronessa. And of course, Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, Roxy. Uh so we've already talked about Roxy as our rising star. Uh <laughs> and so she is someone that made obviously made it into uh this category, as well as a Miranda Alize. As we talked about, it was a very hard choice to just nominate Roxy for a rising star, but it was somewhat of an easy choice to uh, have both of them in this category. Um, I I just want to personally note the year that Raquel Gonzalez has had, um, because really 2020 set her up for what we saw in 2021.
2: You're going to step on me? Well, look, I'm gonna,
1: i i mean, I just gotta. Technically, NXT is my jam, so let's let's hold on. I'm just trying to do my job. I'm just trying to do my job here. But what I'll briefly kind of in the year for her. I mean, starting off with um, a, a fantastic match between her and Rhea Ripley to uh, winning the inaugural Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and becoming wow. the first. NXT Women's Tag Team Champions and, of course, to what we saw her do in April um, and finally becoming NXT Women's Champion. I mean, uh, talk about someone who has thrived and grown in long-term storytelling, Raquel Gonzalez. This is the fruit of what we saw, you know, sowed last year come to fruition this year.
2: Yeah, that's that's where I was going to go because those the regular listeners of the show will know that I have been on the Raquel hype yes. train You've been You've
1: been day one-ish. <laughs> you've been day yeah. one. Credit <laughs> oh, no. to Brennan. he's been day one. It's very true.
2: <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm so excited this whole year to see all of this play out. She had a fantastic feud. She was the center of attention not just in the women's division but, I mean, first off, this was still the best women's division in the world and potentially any division in the world for a good part of this year still. Uh, and, uh, and then, but she, like you said, she had all the memorable matches. When you talk about anything that happened in NXT this year, Ra- Raquel was usually figured into it. Um, just amazing. And I'm, I'm glad to see that she grew into that, uh, into that area. Reminder for everybody, this is a second generation luchador. So like a lot of the people on this, on the rising star list, she started young. Uh, she, but, and she's a multi-sport athlete. She was a college volleyball player. So she's all over the board on, on the things she can do. And I think, uh, we're going to see a lot more from her. So of course, I'm, I'm, she's going to, I'm going to spoiler alert. I'm probably going to nominate her for Luchador of the Year, like every year for the rest of my (laughs) life, but
1: (laughs) lifelong placement there and that but again this year was was noted of that you know (laughs) it's one where she absolutely earned this and this was the beauty again of seeing long-term development this is when patient wears off this is uh when taking your time and developing a star this is when the magic formula the secret sauce comes together to create a star
2: absolutely
1: Guys, what are, what are some of your other thoughts on here um regarding our nominees? I know I already you know, and feel free to yeah. add what I had already mentioned with Roxy and Miranda to <laughs> say. Um well, yeah.
3: for me it Thunder Rosa had a huge year. Her feud with Britt Baker launched her to the next level. We all knew she was capable of it. We've talked about her for a while on the podcast, but all of America got to see it. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if it's still the case, but at one time, at the time that it aired, the Lights Out match, the unauthorized match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa was the most watched match on AEW TV, period. Like, nobody had seen the any match, more than that match. And that speaks to not only Rose's talent and ability, but also her talent and ability in building and maintaining that feud. They were given so little to work with in the beginning, and it was really them, like Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, that made it what it was. Flowing like, and they, scratching yes. for every yeah.
2: inch yeah. they could get onto TV or YouTube or even on their social medias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thunder yeah,
1: Rosa
2: made it all believable. So, so uh, I, I as awesome as what the what Thunder Rosa did on AEW. This we have to talk about the bigger picture. We have to talk about the fact that she was on multiple promotions. She's
4: Absolutely, handling
2: Absolutely. and yeah. she's handling her own. Like she was, you could not go in most uh, most of these markets without seeing. Uh, Either either seeing her or somebody calling her out to try and get her there. Like yeah. she was the person that everybody was on the tip of she, everybody's tongue.
1: Well let's let's be honest. She is the originator of the forbidden door concept Absolutely. that we saw in twenty twenty. <laughs> she is the OG. She's the she number the one. Yeah. She was the first and she continued that this year in twenty twenty one by still having that working relationship with the NWA, uh crossing over to Impact at Bound mm-hmm. for Glory to face Diana Carazzo, which that too is you know a dream match for a lot of people. Still continuing yeah. a very healthy presence in the independent scene, as well as her own promotion, uh Mission Pro, which is, you know, that promotion in it of itself is where we do get to see talent Thrive and grow to then eventually see them on uh, products like AEW and all over the independent scene. So she too is still growing, not only her own brand, but uh, you know the the next generation of women's wrestling. And still, Absolutely. this you know, 2020 was a phenomenal year for her, and yeah. the breaks have not stopped. Um, no, not her. at all. Not at all. Not at I, all. I
3: However, I'll oh, say, yeah. but. I don't know Go that ahead. you could find a like we call her Luchadora of the year, but honestly, man or woman, it's hard to find anybody that went from being like a wrestler, a luchador in 2020 to being considered literally the most badass luchador in America. Yes, and like man or woman, that's Thunder Rosa. She is the most yeah. badass luchador in America.
2: It, in an America that has uh, has uh, Pentagon Junior in their TV sets every week. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean,
3: she, yeah, exactly. I mean, she's uh, sorry.
2: easily at ma- ma- Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so, either no matter what the name is, Rosa La Meramera Mera yeah. is is the the most badass. She's yeah, the so. one Absolutely.
2: that they,
3: they're going to yeah. Um, and that match went harder than any match on TV this year by far. Even maybe yeah. some of the pay-per-view. I mean, like they that showed that the women were just as tough as the men. I mean, when was the last time you saw the women bleed in a match like that? Much oh. less on TV. You know, for uh, free on TV. Uh, for but, free? No. Yeah. I
2: saw it on a pay per view in Mexico where yeah. you
3: know, yeah, a woman Taya.
2: who is noticeably not on this list this Well year. and
1: and let's throw let's that talk out. About I mean, that. Yeah, because yeah. we we had such high hopes for Taya. This year when she signed with uh, WWE for the NXT brand as Frankie Monet, Um, you know, a show that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And maybe that's a teaser. In May, which she made her debut, she beat Cora Jade, who now is becoming a contender for, you know, the NXT Women's Championship. So it's also a very interesting thing to explore how much things change in a year there was so much potential and excitement to have her in NXT. And we all think that she was a great fit for the WWE product, just not only out of her talent, but just out of her charisma, understanding television, being yep. on a you know weekly product. And it does seem like that is one of the biggest missed opportunities of this year. Um, however, you know, as we talk about what to expect next year, fairly optimistic that she will make her way back on this list in
2: 2022. I, I mean, we will at least be discussing why she's not on the list again, if the very least. So yeah, because the world is hers and we know she can take it. We know she can do whatever the hell she wants. Um, And, but that's kind of a thing that I'm looking at everybody on this list. Like these are all, all of them are people who have, had a window, just a sliver of opportunity, and, and they took it. I mean, whether it's Raquel who, uh, they, she had to, to not get cut for a couple of years and not be on TV and not be, and, and just finally got, got that one opportunity to break out and got there, or Miranda and Roxy who, uh, took the advantage of this women's tournament to elevate their brand, and Thunder Rosa who took advantage of anything to elevate her, like yeah. that's, you know, that's that's the story of the Luchadoras is, is they they're they're going to take any opportunity they've got and they're going to they're going to turn it into something that's magical. And so it's it's telling that that uh, Ty is not on the list, but uh at the same time, we know that she's capable of doing exactly the same thing as the five we've got on here. Um. We haven't talked a lot about Baronessa yet, so, uh, I, I wanted to, to bring up that, I, I mean, I've had the chance to see her in person now because she started coming into the, into the, uh, into the American scene. Uh, we're, we're seeing more of her. I think she's the kind of, she's almost more of the rising star, except for the fact that she's been in so many high profile matches and, and being used so well that I, I wanted to, for us to have a little bit more of a conversation about her. Uh I believe Miranda, you even had the opportunity to work with her this year? Uh
1: yes. So, uh I announced for her at uh Viva La Lucha Libre in um Cathedral City back in August. <laughs>
3: I believe she was also the first and only woman wrestler to graduate from the Mount Tempest professional wrestling school that she graduated from her maestro was mr tempest mm-hmm. and that's you know legendary mm-hmm. to to i mean he he is a tough man, and to come out of that um I mean she was also trained by super Astro trained by solar i mean like yeah. can you imagine i mean and to have it shows. The, Yeah, that she has that Cadets del Espacio style. I mean like it just – it harkens back to that 80s thing that they had and what made EMLL so synergistic and so unique at the time. And, and she does it all. I mean, she's very Ruda. Her, her gimmick is based on the Baronessa from G.I. Joe. Like Mr. Tempest is a G.I. Joe fan. He likes to watch G.I. Joe. Who knew? And so he gave, like, gave her this idea and she ran with it. And when she started, like, she had to wrestle a lot of the guys. Obviously she was the only woman in her school, but mm-hmm. in Mexicali where she started, she, wrestled the guys and you see that in her style too i mean she has such an aggressive and i don't want to say macho but almost i mean like it's her style she doesn't hold anything back she's very masculine and aggressive in a way that we don't often see in the luchadoras because they tend not, not to be more feminine but the the style is just different and she can do anything in that more aggressive wrestling style that, like you see with the Super Astro the Solar thing yeah it just makes her stand out in a way that makes her unique amongst all these women for the luchadora of the year
2: yeah no she she very that's kind of part of where I what I like about her too she's carving out a very unique place uh so she's not as high profile as the other ones but she's had a hell of a year like on on very little Push, because she wasn't coming off of a main event in AAA or CMLL. She's still busting out in the American indies right now. Absolutely. Like, you know, like. And
3: she became women's champion for Robles Promotions this year.
2: Yeah, you know, that's I true. Mean,
3: like a big, that's a, well, I mean, that's a, they tour a lot and it's, you they know, do. a lot of American indie lucha in the Southwest and. Yep. So for her to, I mean, it's a big year for her. I mean. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I I, I had uh, forgotten who had the belt that I saw her defending, but that was yeah. it, like that roadway yeah. to promotion yes. belt. Yeah,
3: she's done a lot this year as well for equalizing, and I kind of mentioned this or hinted at this, but like the difference between men and men's lucha and women's lucha, she has done more to equalize that. I mean Thunder Rosa too, but Baronessa – I mean she – for Thunder Rosa, it's easier. She's in America. There's more talent. I mean people take her seriously. She's a name brand. Baronessa fought for that spot. She made that spot, and the fact that she's done so much to close the gap in the styles is really commendable and deserves recognition too in my opinion.
2: So, I mean we're talking about Thunder Rosa of 2021. But when you say, but, uh, she fought for that spot several years ago. So in a right. lot of ways, we're looking at what Rosa did, uh, and I've seen
3: it firsthand. Again. We're just, we're just yeah. seeing
2: it happen. And I think she's, she's taken those lessons and she's moving leaps and bounds faster than Rosa did. I think that's,
3: yeah, she's standing <laughs> on the shoulder of giants to see her. She really is, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like a, great analogy for her and I mean that's exactly what she's been able to do we've talked a lot about other people on the group on the list seizing opportunity and Mm -hmm. she seizes opportunity I mean to come out of Mexicali she was the you know I mean her first big win I think was over Rossi Moreno and now she's I mean on the indies she wrestles I believe for Crash at least she did I know she
2: she, she did some did crash nasty, shows for sure, yeah.
3: and I mean chaos uh she's kind of been everywhere and and one of the best rudas in wrestling ever yeah and, that actually is
2: the the part that we we have not touched on at all, like uh she's a natural ruta. She uh she just always has a way. She knows how to connect with the audience and make them aware that uh they don't need to like her. Like she Right.
3: <laughs> and and that's hard with somebody like Thunder Rosa because she has so much charisma mm-hmm. and you want to cheer for her no matter what even if she's you know kind of in the heel position the ruta position you want to cheer for her. whereas baronessa like you like <laughs> you feel good about that boo because she works so hard for she, it right? you know what i mean like
2: yeah, yeah yeah exactly she yeah no she's really good at that and that is a, that's a rare skill these days to be that good at being heel that even though everybody wants want to like you
3: heel. Yeah, they yeah. want to be liked. They want to be cheered and to, to embrace it the way she has. Yeah, it's just so cool. Uh, Thunder Rosa as well, I mean we've seen the the same thing with the getting the crowd to cheer for. Her. The way mm-hmm. that she has – I mean kind of on the flip side of that coin – I mean, they've, they've had similar careers, but Baronessa just did it much more quickly and within the last couple of years. Yeah. And so it's cool to see that juxtaposition against each other. That's going to make it's, it an interesting choice.
2: That's the reason that uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie on this one. That was my nominee. I just I thought that she'd done so much so fast and it was paying off so well this year that it was, it, it, you know, I'm going to push hard for her to win she may not win but it's still worth it for her to be in the conversation like she's, absolutely uh, you know there's some giant names in this category there this is year.
3: it was a big year for women's wrestling we've talked about it before at one time nxt had the most stacked roster in women's wrestling and they had a lot of luchadores on there well at least they had you know frankie taya they had raquel Um uh, but now you know like different change different you know we may see a big shake-up in the list of luchadoras next year but i think that thunder rosa baronessa those are names we're gonna see again yeah absolutely easily Easily. and and that kind of leads us into luchador of the year which is your territory brendan
2: all right let's do this uh so we have five candidates for this year as well uh we have uh Luchador of the Year is mean, pretty self-explanatory. It is the, the, the male version of the Luchador of the Year. These are people that we think had, had a great year, whether it's winning titles, uh, becoming a household brand, or, uh, you know, just being a legend. You're gonna see all of that in these nominees. Uh, it's true. Uh, we have, uh, the, <laughs> first up, we have the most obvious pick for all of us. <laughs> Hio del Vickingo. I mean, we were, we were all waiting for him yeah. to break out and, and, uh, he had his moment. Uh, we'll, we can talk a bit more about that. We also have, um, Ares as a pick here. Uh, he's, uh, that rare rising star and luchador of the year, uh, nominee because of all of the work he's put in, but, uh, it, we can, we'll, you know, yeah, I'm just stuttering over my words, getting to look at the rest <laughs> of this list. Uh, and then, uh, and I have talked about being a legend, you know, we have LA Park. Like, LA, Yeah, I mean, third, our third so nominee, good. LA Park, you can, uh, you can pretty much perennially nominate him for Luchador of the Year and nobody would disrespect you for putting him in there. Uh, Laredo- well, He hustled
3: hard the last two years, too. Yeah. I mean, he made a lot of appearances. <laughs> Lucha Fighter, I mean, yeah.
2: yeah. We for can, Romania. we, uh, I, I, we can go a little more into that, I just kind yeah, of get all this. Yeah. No worries. Uh, Laredo Kid, and um and then rounding out the list, we have Roosh.
3: I mean, so, what a list. <laughs> I, and we've seen, the interesting thing is we've seen, well, you know, all of these guys in some kind of main event in some company this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, or,
2: I feel I mean, like that is our, our unspoken requirement yes.
3: for this. Uh, and but I mean like to the talent level, Ildo Delvecchio. We we got to start out about him. What a <laughs> year he had! I mean, this we we called it last year at the beginning of Lucha Fighter. You know, Ildo Delvecchio. This is the guy. This is the guy. And yeah. this was the year we finally got to see that flower bloom. He did so much. There were some rumors. You know, he took some time off to to have a child. Mm-hmm daddy now. Yeah, I mean, what a <laughs> big year for him. He yeah. was handpicked by Kenny Omega to have that Triple A Mega Campeon championship match. Allegedly, he was hand by Kenny to win. You know, I mean, how do we know yeah. that? That's a rumor. But he did win a huge international five-way match with a lot of stars, AEW involved. He became crash heavyweight champion this year. He wrestled trios matches with uh, Los en- Enites del Are. He did tag team matches with them. He had singles matches. I mean, this was really the year of Vikingo. I think it's only a matter of time until we see him in AEW. I think he's going to be like the first big name we see come through that door and, you know, work as a main event level star in AEW. I yeah. I mean there's a lot going on for E.O. Del Vikingo this year and I don't even know that this is his best year. I don't I think next year I mean, I think within the next three months, twenty twenty two will already be his best year. He's already <laughs> had well, he's already had a title defense against yeah. Laredo Kid, uh the hasn't been aired, it was taped, they say it's phenomenal, you hear about it, how could it not (laughs) be phenomenal? And you get the added, like, emotional investment of them being teammates in Los Enites de Lare. And, you know, you you just want so much for him he had that emotional moment at the press conference where you found out that he was going to be wrestling kenny omega for the mega campeon championship and you got to invest in that emotional journey with him along the way and it just makes it feel so much richer and so much more satisfying now that he's the champion that we're getting to see this journey of him as champion and a lot of times, champion is recognition of, you know, being the best, but sometimes you earn it with your longevity. He didn't earn it with his longevity. He earned so, it by being the best, by knocking your socks off every time he steps in the ring. There is nothing he does where you're not like, oh my gosh. He raises the bar every time. And I,
2: I don't know that he's going to be that longevity wrestler. I don't, I mean. Yeah. He, he, if
3: you burn that bright, sometimes you burn out fast.
2: <laughs> yeah, he strikes me as the kind of guy that's going to hit uh, a few of his check marks, and then he's going to go off and do the next thing that he go- can be overly successful at. Like He's he's not going to be content to be the legend on the card that just comes out, takes a paycheck, and does it a single tope and goes home, right? I'm, we all know that guy. Sometimes they're not even that legendary, but we all know <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh so yeah, we may he may he may move on to the next thing is kinda what I'm but we'll see. We'll see. This definitely not this year. Uh yeah. he he came back from the next thing. Like he already conquered being a dad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he was to that point. We can't understate that. He he had said announced his retirement. Now I know everybody in Lucha announced their retirement. <laughs> but <laughs> but he really did pull out of shows and, and take time off unlike other people. I'm looking yeah. at Conan big who <laughs> again this year and then wrestled like three weeks later. So, but uh, yeah, it's, he did, he did all of that. Um he, And I'm going to, since we talked about, it, we're going to, we're going to juxtapose that with uh, the, with LA park. Who's on this list now, LA park, is the opposite end of the spectrum. He's he was he OW Kingo before there was even anybody knew there was going to be an LA par or a yeah. La Parca. Uh he was that he was the young high flyer with an exciting style who uh then later went to WCW and became obsessed with chairs. Uh <laughs> like just <laughs> And, but uh, that's, that is my point though. He has existed for decades and he's reinvented himself decade after decade after decade. And this latest iteration we've seen is the one, uh, fans probably have seen the most of, but it's also the, the most complete. He's, he's a bigger than life personality. He's a <laughs> brawler. He's, you know, he's, uh, He's done, he's done it all, but he's not stopping. So that's uh, why, why we're talking about him still for Luchador of the Year, because he's in the mix. He was doing, he was wrestling for titles. He was part of, uh, two or three major promotions in the last year. Like, you just can't not talk about him. And, uh, yeah, I, I, anyway, there's, uh, <laughs> Yeah. we can we can all probably talk about LA park forever but i think there's more people on this Luchador of the year list that we could we could really dig into um Miranda i'm hearing you giggling over there so you have any anyone you want to pick out
1: you know i i was going to say i think in what i cover what i've seen um one uh with audis uh and you know that crossover you know making that that presence more in the united states um not only in m l w but even you know more uh, mainstream places like uh g c w um yep. you know having that you know, getting to a different type of audience when you wrestle for GCW versus what you may see in other promotions. Um, Gally, which is really a staple in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone whose name that you just, you know, heard a lot more of this year. I think with Laredo Kid, he was also someone who became that, uh, difference maker in impact. Um, and someone who, we know Impact's history with AAA, you know, hasn't been as, as strong as it has been in the past few years. But Laredo Kidd was that kind of torchbearer now, and he's been able to fit in very well in the X Division. And again, as we also talk about with um previously uh in Rising Star of the Year with Adi's enemies and Mr. Iguana, laredo kid even though he's been in you know with the u.s audiences before having again that platform uh and having uh, amazing outstanding matches is something that you you know just take note of for this year and i think it's you know you were talking about teasing about retirements and retirements um <laughs> uh you know it, it's hard though to deny uh well, the, the big impacts of, of world championship wins, like with Rouge and Hijo de Vikingo. Um, just, you know, uh, Ring of Honor at one point had the best and most luchadors with titles. And I think that was that recognition that Ring of Honor had of Lucha Libre. Um, even though they were more notable for that pure style, strong style, technical, uh, aspect of wrestling. Um, having Rusha as your champion and part of a team of champions in Ring of Honor was that recognition of Ring of Honor noting Lucha Libre to be a formidable. Uh, form of of wrestling, but I, I mean, gosh, it's hard to deny E. Like <laughs> we talked about it last year, he's literally my favorite luchador, and the fact that I mean, he's gotten more mainstream coverage without stepping foot in the United States than a lot of these other people who had to be in the United States to wrestle.
2: It's true. Yeah. 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 He, he built his, that is, we call, call people out for their uniqueness on these lists this show. Um, and that is definitely the unique thing for, for Vic is that he's 100% built in Mexico. Like, uh, all of them, all the rest of these people on this list we're talking about being partially because of their success in America and, and branching out and becoming bigger names that way. Uh, you, you mentioned rush I do want to go over that. Like, he, he brought the factioning group Bernabé to ROH and to the American Indies, and he became the ROH champion for a very long time. Uh, he, he, uh, he was, uh, became a household name. They attempted to have, like, they have their own family press conference with as like the main event of this press conference. So like, yeah, how that was can cool? You... <laughs> <laughs>
3: it really was like, that was see, cool.
2: See, and Dusty's reaction is exactly the, the, that's, that's the point of why he had to be on here. Like just so, for some people that would be attention grabbing and, and, and like nobody would be interested, but we were watching it going. This is cool. This is,
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Just, yeah. So, I mean, his, his year ended on a bad note with a knee injury. Like, it, I mean, he's not dead or anything, but he, <laughs> he's not, he's not nearly as prominent as other members of his family are right now. And it, it, I think that might be the thing that's holding him back from being a bigger factor in this conversation. But, uh, he is, he, he, he is an easy nomination in my opinion.
1: Well. Here we are. We made it to our final category of this year's end of year awards. And Dusty, go ahead with the honors.
3: Yeah, this is the match of the year award. Like this is the one y'all came for. This is the one people talk about all the time. You see a great match. You mentioned, you know, this match of the year contender and all of these contenders, they, they have a lot of different things going on, but the thing they all have in common is they obviously were the best matches of the year, but not not only that, but they raised the bar in some way. They gave us something that we hadn't seen before in some way, and were not only special, but they're the kind of matches we'll be talking about in another five years. Like all of these matches, I think will be looked back upon, especially when you mention the wrestlers involved. These will be looked as, you know, big deal matches in their career for one reason or another. First up, we had Lucha Bros versus Los Genetes del Are at AAA Heroes Immortales on October the 9th, 2021. Second, we had Roxy versus Miranda Alizé, Death Before Dishonor, ROH, September the 12th, 2021. We had Fowler versus Cross on NXT Weekly Programming, which was an interesting choice. For May the 25th, we have Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros at All Out. That's 2021, obviously, September the 5th. And finally, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in the Lights Out match from AEW St. Patrick's Slam Dynamite. Regular TV show, September the 17th, 2021. Like we're, So somebody so, can jump in. Whoever wants to jump in.
2: Pick well, up. Well, I mean, it stands out. We have two weekly shows on here. So yeah. that, that'll tell yeah. you.
3: Special. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like it used to be uh, that you would get uh, like a schmoz ending or something else. And and that would be all towards making you buy on the pay-per-view or, you know, like even way further back when it was all live shows, you, you would know that if you were seeing a live show on a, on a Tuesday, it probably wasn't going to be as significant as the one that was on a Saturday just down the road. So like, but not anymore. We're seeing like they're they're throwing the this into the mix with the like, and we had two contenders on here. Um, I'm sure people are speculating which one of us nominated the ROH match, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which one of us nominated uh the the Finn Balor match uh, or the Kevin Cross match, but uh, uh you know, I don't. Which one of you guys wants to to pick one here? I just wanted to comment on how cool this list looks.
3: Um, I, I will start with Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Uh, You know, what a match that was. It's kind of easy to – I mean it was about nine months ago, so it's kind of easy to, to forget some of the details. But that was easily one of the best matches to ever air on TV. I mean hands yeah. down. Like you can't argue. And it's hard to say what's the best ever. Taste change, context change. Mm -hmm. But it was, in my opinion, also the best ever AEW match on TV. Like, they've had pretty good pay-per-view, but go ahead.
2: I do want to talk about that. It is, in my opinion, one of the best AEW matches. A lot of the time when we're talking about AEW matches, my feedback on it is it was a great match up until the end. Yeah. (laughs) That, and yeah. uh, <laughs> this is not something I said about this match. This was good all the way through. The ending felt satisfying. Every uh, it, I felt like it was it was the end, good end to a feud. All of that. So just, just uh, you yeah. Know, in that respect, where they they, it felt like it was a full product. It was you got everything you wanted out of that match.
3: Well, and they had this badass thing at the end where Britt Baker said, Your mistake was leaving me alive to be the face of the women's division. And Thunder Rosa said, I left you alive because I don't want to be the face of the women's division. I'm going to be the face of wrestling. Like, oh, the chills I got. Like, so good.
1: Pure aggression and Mm -hmm. pure, like, and when we talk about violent matches for the sake of being violent, I think that that's a pretty fine line. And, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I felt like, The way that they spoke to each other The way that this feud Began and the way That it just grew That the violence aspect of it Was added to it And it was not so grotesque Where you wonder this is just the violent For being the sake of violent You could tell why it was included
2: It wasn't a a flaming table Correct (laughs) Exactly (laughs) No I'm calling that right out
1: Yeah <laughs> and maybe that's kind of the interesting thing with AEW is that when they hit it on the mark, and and I think that's the same, same thing with for WWE when they hit it on the mark, they can really hit it on the mark. And when oh, sometimes yeah. they do things that are too ridiculous, you just wonder what in the world. But this was something too that put not not even just both women on the map. I think it put really made AEW stand out, um, and it really solidified the next steps for both Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, you know, uh, Brit in her title reign, thunder with, you know, uh, you know, formally, and that's something we didn't necessarily mention, um, from Luchadora of the year, but this was the year that we finally had Thunder Rosa, all elite, you know, we yeah. did get that confirmation. And this was one of the reasons why I think fans just are drawn to her. And both of them, it really solidified both of their careers I do want to jump over to Finn Balor and, uh, Karrion Cross because this was the <laughs> rematch. Yes. I mean, this is something that, gosh, in hindsight, you, it's, it's almost sad to talk about because. Yeah. When yeah released. Um, you know, it was more of a shock. Uh, and in some ways you knew what the ending of this match was going to be because there was already, you know, uh, news circulating that he was going to be called up to the main roster. And it made sense at that time to do it. But, I mean, these are two uh, of the most insane wrestlers out there for very different reasons. Not as violent and brawly as, you know, some of the other matches on this list. Uh, Much more of a traditional American wrestling match. But I think that the beauty of this is that, you know, Karrion Cross too, for his size – is also agile, also has a very great submission background. And the story here was how does Finn uh, address, you know, the the strength and hard hitting, um, style of carrying cross and carrying again more submission, uh, based. Oh, I think he was more submission based in that Samoa Joe, uh, match. Uh, or no, no that wasn't uh, him. It was, it was, uh, Balor. But anyways, I just, um, different storytelling in this and really the height of um carrying in um his time in the wwe
3: that's true yeah, yeah. this was really his highest water mark
1: yeah,
2: yeah. I, well i mean so i made a note of it as soon as i saw it like there was like to your point it was kind of phenomenal storytelling it was uh it was intense with, so a lot of the, all of these were intense, but like everybody, what makes them intense is different. And the, uh, you have this one, you had Cross's intensity of, I'm going to, I'm just not going to lose. I, I don't care what you say. And you had Bowler's determination to win. And it was this, it was this struggle of, of two people that were like, neither of them could walk away from, from this conflict that in without leaving all of the, the all of that that mess behind it had to be in the mat it had to be solved and and uh so you saw a little hint of that brawly stuff but it was mostly just the uh it was hard knocks uh, physical wrestling which is what uh is something that american fans really like and we uh, I, it was interesting to see a, a lucha guy really really do that well for an american audience i thought that was going to be his breakout moment. Um,
1: yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. everybody did, I think. Yeah.
1: Is It's really the nomination on this list that kind of makes you sad when you think about it, which is odd, but, yeah. you know, no, that's, it does. that's the way. I mean, we do, I, I do really want to talk about Miranda, Alizane, Roxy, because yes. I do feel like that is somewhat of a dark horse in this, in the sense that this may not be one that, fans think of when they think of match of the year for very different reasons. You know, it's on the opposite end of Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa where it wasn't violent, but the stakes
2: pure technical. That's why oh, I, yeah, I want technical yeah.
1: and the stakes on this were very different where Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa were fighting for pride for a sense of who was going to be the best, who's going to be um, again, you know, one of those AEW pillars this was much more of a traditional match in every sense of the word. You know, it's a finals of a tournament, you know, a technical base match. And it was for, you know, the Ring of Honor uh, Women's World Women's Championship. But also, as a note, you know, Brendan, uh, again, once again, called this out. You know, this was the match that he predicted we were going to see um in the finals. And this was also a testament of how two different Lucha or or yeah, lucha styles or lucha trained backgrounds meet ahead. You know, Miranda Alizé, um, with, you know, her years of experience. And again, I think she is really in her highest form right now, um, compared to Roxy, which is very much of that Texas style training. I mean, from the reality of wrestling, uh, academy with, uh, you know, a mix of, of training from, uh, of Booker T to Daga and Gino Medina. Yeah. And well, so but they also
2: both did uh, Mission Pro. So, yeah. And, trained yeah. With,
1: so yeah. Uh, kind of two different styles and two different paths coming to a head to this match. And, you know, really one of the best women's matches in all of Ring of Honor this year. Well, if I not mean, the best. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So what I really loved about it was that this was what, Wrestling could be. This is, this is, was, it was a pure sport style, basically. It was, you know, I mean, just because there was no rule breaking did not mean there wasn't intensity. It was, but it was about, uh, being the better person at your craft. And, and both of them did moves and holds and put on basically a visual clinic of what wrestling styles can look like, switching, between lucha american and even new japan strong style uh on a dime and then the other one matching them so like there you know from a a technical standpoint this is was a masterpiece that is kind of beyond the years of both of these women and uh that how can that not be something that stands out and makes you want to to say this has to be in the consideration for match of the year
1: I mean, let's talk, not this one, this one really took the world by storm, and that's uh, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros. Yes. We talked about this as this is not their first rodeo. Uh, they have faced each other many, many times, but this one in a cage match felt different. And we talked about different matches, different flavors for different people. I think that for the most part, this was so well received by both Lucha and American audiences, I do feel like there's still a small population that felt like this was too much flippy shit, but outside um, of that, I mean, yeah. like, but still, like, <laughs> I don't personally feel like there's too much, you can never have too much flippy shit, no. that's I, me personally, I, I, but I, I do think that this was the best match that they've had together, ever.
2: So I I'm going to explain my, my statement, my my grunting about agree that seems to agree with the too much flippy shit stuff. I don't mind the flippy shit. I'm not, I wasn't turned off by it. I felt it got in the way of some of the storytelling in this one. I think the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros both like to cram a lot of stuff in the, ma- into their matches. And I think, uh, they could have done with about half as much a stri- and turned it into two, cause we, we know they're going to wrestle again, turned it into two different matches where we saw some of those spots. I think they, and some of that storytelling too. I think they yeah. could have done, you know, a, 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 It uh, didn't detract from me enjoying the match, but I think I would have enjoyed the match just as much and then enjoyed the next one just as much, if that makes sense.
3: No,
1: very true. No,
3: it's true. We'd seen their matchup at Double or Nothing 2019. You know, that was a big deal. Um, It Opened a lot of people's eyes to the Lucha Bros. We, we look, all of us on the show, we knew about the Lucha Bros before AEW. We all watched Lucha Underground. But a yeah. lot of American fans didn't. They didn't get mm-hmm. El Rey, they didn't watch Lucha Underground, you know, for whatever reason. So that kind of opened a lot of more casual eyes. To the Lucha Bros, but even before that, like I believe it was five years to the day that they had this match that they had wrestled each other for the first time in PWG, and we're seeing a lot of that PWG style coming back. Excalibur's obviously involved in AW. Um, you know, there's some rumors about the PWG tag team belts coming in to AW right now. Like maybe. Not rumors. It may be news by the time you hear this, but (laughs) as of right now, it's rumors, and uh, there's just so much going on with the history of these guys and the history that they brought to it, the the gravitas that they brought to it, and lesser hands – The flippy thing. I love flippy wrestling, but I can see where in lesser hands, it would have felt like too much, and it would have just been a show. But these guys were able to make it a match. Even if it felt a little rehearsed, I... I, I feel that's more the fault of the Young Bucks. In my opinion, every Young Bucks match it's feels young kind bucks of fault. choreographed and rehearsed. Yeah. I mean, they just have that style. Like It's like a, like a rock and roll touring production, not wrestling. And that's not a knock on them. I enjoy that style a lot, but we have seen the Lucha Bros do many other things and not always have a spot fest. And so I felt like... Yeah. That wasn't necessarily on them in this match. But what they did with the spots that they had were just incredible. You never got to take a breath. It was 22 minutes, and it was yep. just insane from start to finish. Yeah, it, it constantly had you on the edge of your seat. It constantly had you excited. Uh, uh, it instantly. I mean, before the match was even over, there was chatter online. You know, match of the year, match of the year. Yeah. and Like it really opened a lot of people's eyes to what tag team wrestling could bring you, or what it could be. Because even though it was a spot fest, this was like an indie match. This was a PWG match on pay per view. And it was kind of unique in that style. Brendan and I talked about this earlier. You know, the kind of indie style of ten years ago all of a sudden was like the match of the year contender, the biggest thing going and wrestling and. 10 years later, you know, in the present. And so we've known about this for a while, but this was the match that opened a lot of people's eyes to that style that were never exposed to the indie scene, never got to see the indie scene at the time for whatever reason, just weren't aware of it. It showed how right those fans were over all those years, and it felt like a victory in a lot of ways for fans, I feel like. At least it did for me. And (laughs) when, when the... Lucha Bros won those belts it, The Young Bucks had been champions for a long time By that point And so mm-hmm. it was nice, it was refreshing It just felt emotionally Rewarding at the True. end of the
2: match yeah. That That is the one thing That AEW has, has surprised Me with is that they have very good Long term storytelling On this kind of thing uh, The mm-hmm. Kenny Omega feud that was not At all Lucha so we haven't talked about it on the show Was long term oh, This was so long term Yeah yeah, like they did a good job with that. I so we were talking about the Lucha Bros and we're talking about uh, indie style matches. I'm going to transition over to the Lucha Bros other match that's on here yep. and yes. how I think this is the better indie style match that we could you could have. Yes, been watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's exactly the note as far as maybe those <laughs> same nuances because they were matched. Not just I mean. Like, playing the Young Bucks all you want, but just the fact that they do have a good, solid uh, understanding of uh, lucha libre wrestling. But this, you know, as that, as, as their comprehension is, you know, B-plus level, I don't mean that with <laughs> any... B-plus is good. B-plus is good. Los Gentes de Aire, again, I mean, as we talked about them earlier, are a super team of individuals.
3: And they're innovators. And,
1: and they're innovators as well. So I they're feel not like They're not just hitting that, the greatest
3: hits like the Bucks are. They're well, bringing I, something new we're, to we're, the table.
1: Well, I do think, and maybe that's also a difference in preference, whereas you did have a really good long-term story with the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros Absolutely. where you were really, really cheering on the Lucha Bros to beat the Young Bucks for the, you know, yes. AEW yes. Tag Team titles. Yes. So, the Lucha Bros and Los Gentes de Aire were just more of a good match. And that is maybe not not a fault but a difference um with especially what we've had in AAA at least this year because more inconsistent uh availability of of shows that uh you know the storytelling is not done long term in the sense of like actually building up stories it's the storytelling they do in the ring and it's mm-hmm. in the moment but again, because everyone in this match is an incredibly talented luchador, mm-hmm. you know, you could exactly have that innovation in the ring that you don't have outside of the ring, with with storytelling, uh, with storyline. And I think that that too could be where your big difference is. You were much more emotionally invested in the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros, whereas you were just more visually captivated by Lucha Absolutely. Bros versus right. the and Torantes.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it had you're you're more willing to forgive the little foibles than the emotionally invested one, but uh because uh the other one was all was mechanically superior, you only you don't even notice the little foibles because they're just going from B to B to B. So uh yeah, I think uh I think they're both worthy nominees. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna downplay the young bucks and say they, they brought dragged anything down, but uh I definitely think that the, the, this Henate's Deliri match was just so amazing and the only problem is that not enough people watched it and that's the, uh, that's, that's the problem here that we're, you know,
3: well, and it wasn't on, like, Triple Mania; It was on oh. Heroes and Mortales, you know, yes. which made a difference, too, because generally you expect this type of match from, like, the big show, and the fact that they just pulled it out at a regular show for AAA a was incredible.
2: Well, I mean, so Heroes and Mortales is much akin to Winter is Coming, for those that follow the AEW reference. It's not just – That's a
3: great comparison. Yeah, it's yeah. not yeah. just another show, but yeah. it's – it's not one of the big pay-per-view events, one of the big yes. yearly things. And yeah. Just just an incredible match. Yes.
1: Well, there you have it. Our six categories and all the nominees for our end of year awards. Uh but you know what? There is one more. And this year we have added yes. a new category. Uh, to our uh, lineup and uh, Brendan I'm actually have Brendan uh, discuss (laughs) this Uh, and this one will be different because well we're actually not going to share the nominees we're just going to be sharing with you uh, the premise (laughs) of this and then we'll join next next week when uh, we do our results You'll get to know a little bit more background uh, on this, but yes, Brennan, please introduce our newest category for the twenty twenty one end of year awards.
2: Well, listeners, particularly the listeners, the few listeners that can tuned into our uh, live stream coverage last year of a AAA event, <laughs> <laughs> are aware that we think that cookie sheets and wrestling are some of the most fun and ridiculous, and uh, you know. To to make the argument, why the heck is there a cookie sheet underneath the ring? Like exactly, I don't, but
1: <laughs> you do not need it to assemble a ring. Spoiler you, alert: You do, no, no cookie sheets are needed to actually the, put a ring together.
2: The timekeeper doesn't need it. the The, the wrestlers only sort of need it. Uh, I mean, like it's just it's it's but it's ridiculous and it's fun. And so that is – it's kind of the embodiment of this award. So we're going to – unlike the others, we're not going to have a category and debate it uh, on the air. But we have the Cookie Sheet Award where we're going to give the most ridiculous but fun moment of the year, uh, the recognition it deserves, <laughs> and uh, maybe even a cookie sheet in the future. Who knows? But yeah, that. so there it is, the Cookie Sheet Award, the most ridiculous but fun uh, moment of the year.
1: And as we mentioned, well, we've given you the award categories, we've given you the nominees, and next week we are going to give you all of the winners. So, uh, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Again, don't forget to check out luchacentral.com, uh, your place, uh, and your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Don't forget to follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at luchacentral.com on Twitter. Of course, follow us on social media. Dusty, let us know where our listeners can find you.
3: I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy.
1: And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321T shirt guy.
2: That's the numbers 321, and then T shirt guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I'm all over the Twitters.
1: And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. No Twitter. Of course, if you are listening to this show on your favorite podcast streaming platform, like. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, PodBay, Speaker, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe and get a notification every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. Leave us a five-star rating and give us a review. Let us know your thoughts, especially this week. If you agree with our nominees, if you don't, if there's anyone we missed, if there's anyone we missed. Please maybe- tell
2: us. Yes, who- yes. yes. Yeah.
1: We'd love to get that feedback. We'd love to know uh, your guys' thoughts on well where we're at with our awards. We
2: always try to take into account what everybody's thinking on this, which sometimes gives us a little bit of, of brain freeze. So, you know, tell us what you're thinking, and mm-hmm. then we don't have to think. Wait. Yes. <laughs>
1: And so again, next week, our results are, uh, oh, the winners of each of these categories will be announced. So please, please stay tuned for Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy. I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much, and we will be back with you next week.
3: Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude.
0: Why? the lucha brothers as well as japanese legend ultimo dragon go to lucha-masks.com and fight lucha strong with masks from your favorite lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours
1: now at lucha-masks.com powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest and greatest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Yes, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is back for the second part of our end of year awards this is miranda morales and of course you know what time it is i'm being joined by the rest of the trio introducing first it is the dashing one mr dusty murphy dusty how are you
3: i am doing fantastic how are you doing miranda
1: I'm doing great. Very excited to go over the results of our end of year awards, but we cannot do that without the third member of our team and that's who? 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 It's <laughs> the one and only Brendan Barr. That's it.
2: Hey, hey. Yes. This is I'm looking ahead. This is really exciting. We've got this this came out really cool, you guys. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Man.
1: Uh, before we get to it, of course, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is pow- part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. We are also streamed through your favorite podcast streaming platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbay, Speaker, and more. And, of course, a shout-out to our streaming partners over at TheChairShot.com. And if you were with us last week, well, we went over our nominees and categories for our end-of-year awards. Our second annual for 2021, and in there we explained really all of of the uh, categories that we had, the nominees, why uh, we nominated them. Uh, any notable missing people, uh our critiques, feedback, and more. So if you want to catch up, please make sure to check out last week's episode that is available on LuchaCentral.com, TheChairShot.com, as well as your favorite podcast streaming platform. This week, well, it's the results. It's what you want to know. This is what you came here for, and that is to know who are the winners of our different categories Before we get into it, though, a little bit about our structure, one, uh, and we did talk about this last time, but just as a premise and a reminder, this is just our opinions. You know, this is us as a trio making, um, our thoughts on what was the best in these categories in the world of Lucha Libre. If you don't agree with it, let us know on social media. I'm going to change this up a bit. We usually say this at the end of the show, but I'm going to jump to it at the beginning because, you know, you may not agree with what our nominees are as well as the winners. So please reach out to us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you on social media?
3: I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy.
1: And, Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321
2: T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers, 321 T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I'm all over the Twitters.
1: And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. So – If as we are going through these categories, again, we will go over the nominees and then we will provide uh, the winners of these categories. If you agree, disagree, think we missed anyone, please reach out to us on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts with the voting. And as we start into our first category, uh, the structure as far as how we're going to announce these is that we do have a third place, second place and first place based off of how we individually, uh, uh, voted. Um, some categories do have a, um, honorable mention. Uh, not all, but some. And so that's just the way that the cookie crumbled here. But this is, again, our, you know, individual thoughts were put into this, as well as the collective. So uh, this will be very interesting as we discuss, you know, who won and who were in our top three, as well as any honorable mentions. And again, follow along, make sure you reach out to us on social media about your thoughts on our winners for our end of year awards. So, up first, we have our Rising Star of the Year. This is a category dedicated to someone in 2021 who we feel is a rising star, someone that we hope to see more of in the next year, someone who we believe had such a phenomenal year of talent that it's noted. Uh, it makes them a noteworthy individual to have uh is, you know, someone to keep your eyes out in the world of Lucha Libre. Our nominees for this category were Danny Limelight, Atomies, Eddies, Mystery Guana, and Roxy. So, if I'm reading this right, looking at these <laughs> category code system, uh, our third place, um, Runner or third place person, luchador um, in this category, is Mr. Iguana, who, again, this is our first two-time person in this category. Uh, and someone we've noted as having a phenomenal year within um, the the independent scene, making a big splash here in the U.S. Our second or runner-up, second place winner in this category is... Ring of Honor, World Women's Champion, Roxy. And your number one, the rising star of 2021, is Danny Limelight. So guys, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh I'm gonna start off with Dusty. Um, how did you think, you know, things fell through in this category? Mr. Iguana, number three, Roxy, number two, and uh, Danny Limelight, number one.
3: Honestly, this was the way I kind of expected it to shake out. Uh Danny <laughs> Limelight just had such a phenomenal year that yes. you could nobody else can touch it. I mean, his <laughs> year was beyond. At Roxy, I mean, she really did have the second best year out of everybody, you know, compared to I mean next to Danny Limelight's second. Best. And then I think Mr. Iguana truly, you know, number 3, he did not have the TV exposure and the you know, more major exposure that they had that would have vaulted him into a higher position. But for what he had, he made the best, you know, I mean, like he made the best of everything, made the most recognition out of what he had. And so on an indie level, he did better than anybody else. I think that's kind of the perfect lineup for it. What did you think, Brendan?
2: I mean, you know, you could quibble over Danny Limelight and Roxy, but we all kind of knew that it was going to be the the three we got as much as uh, yeah. Ar- Aramis and Ares are f- fantastic nominees and and uh, they just did not have any have the momentum compared to the to the other three so uh, yeah
1: and I think with the big different with, with Roxy and any limelight championships. Where mm-hmm. I think the, one of the deciding factors is both became champions, uh, in their respective promotions. Um, I do think maybe Danny was just more of a broader reach and spectrum, um, with, you know, his work in AEW, the transition to MLW, um, being really all over the place. I think that that, uh, visibility helped a little bit more where Roxy, you know, her big, uh she was really all over the independence but her growth was really just within um ring of honor in a very notable area of the women's division which is something that you know ring of honor relaunched and rebranded this year so I think that what made them outstanding and what I think helped them in that category was becoming champions uh this year.
2: Definitely. I mean we talked yeah. about that with the nomination like Roxy had more Tangible momentum as a result of getting that that championship. Uh, I mean, she's going to be doing a title versus title match in theory with Diana Perazzo. So, mm-hmm. like you know, that's yeah. that that's momentum that is is uh, visible and, and notable. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it it's important to note that a lot of the time, championships being put on someone is a sign of the company believing in that person. Yeah. So. That's, it's, you know, or, sorry, that's, if that's pulling back the curtain too much for some listeners, I'm sorry, but, uh, that's, uh, no, but <laughs> I do,
1: yeah, I do think that's just an honest statement about any time a championship is, uh, you know, is one, um, in any area, it is the belief that a company believes in someone to even put them in a position to compete for a championship. Yes. So Absolutely. Very, very true. So, congratulations to Danny Limelight for winning our Rising Star of the Year. Uh, you know, he may he may have been on the independent scene for some time, uh, not that long. If you actually listen to our uh, interview with Danny Limelight, that is available now on LuchaCentral. Com and all major podcast streaming floor, forms. You could uh, easily look us up on Spotify at Lucha Central. Uh, podcast network and find that he talks about his experience and rise coming into professional wrestling um and really being able to go full-time as of this year so i think that also was a difference maker um for him yep. is being able to transition full-time into wrestling but um great categories i do think we're going to be talking more about otomies and eddies in 2022 Absolutely. as we have heard about uh lucha underground i'm not lucha azteca underground now having their own standalone show with MLW and them being part of already some initial storyline with uh Cesar Duran uh, and I, them constantly having consistently good matches in MLW. I feel like we'll talk uh, about them again in 2022. Um, but again, the uh, category lineup or the winners for our Rising Star of the Year, third place, Mr. Iguana, second place, Roxy and first place, Danny Limelight. Brendan, go ahead and take it away with our next category.
2: Oh, well, as we talked about, the next one is Trio of the Year. And uh we had five solid nominees. We had NGD, Nueva Generation Dinamita, La Empresa, Legado del Fantasma, Poder del Norte, and The Infernals. Uh, this one did have an honorable mention. Uh Poder del Norte did get the honorable mention on here. Uh, then our third place winner was Legato del Fantasma. And so, so here's the story. Everybody that heard our arguing about it kinda could figure that they, it was gonna come down to mm-hmm. NGD or La Impresa. So, uh, we're gonna just, I'm just gonna set the stage here. And so our first place winner is La Impresa, leaving NGD in second place. Uh, i don't know how, how do you guys feel how this one sh- shook up
1: i i agree with what you said i think between ngd and la Impresa, that one you know those were our top 2 trios um yeah. that we talked about very similar mm-hmm. i think with their presence and um just how how kind of unconventional they are as a trio um but how well it works and i think the crossover appeal was what made them stand out the most compared to the other trios. I am a little surprised that Legato got as many votes from what we were talking about that, <laughs> you know, really they were nominated by purely surviving you know, NXT in 2021. Um, but I am glad that they got this recognition, um, because they are truly one of the only trails in all of WWE. And to have that and have that presence in such a big market, um, is, you know, it's a noteworthy thing. And I'm glad that they, we recognize that.
3: For me, the thing that made La Empresa number one in this, and in the year was that they are three guys like Nuevo Generation Dinamita. That's a trio. They are a team. But something about La Empresa being three very distinct, very different people, very distinct, very different personalities coming together and working together, three guys at the top of their game and very different ways, different styles. Something about that cohesion that comes together between the three of them when that's all their styles coalesce into one thing made them just beyond any other trio to me. If Legato del Fantasma had been new this year, I think they'd have done better, but I think part of what made La Impresa so exciting and so important was that they are new, and it's just a this was one of our closest votes also between yeah. La Impresa yeah. and Nuevo very Generation. Close, Dina very close, very close. But I just feel like being a new trio gave them the edge in this matchup this year.
2: Well, you touched on the, the critical difference for me. Uh NGD is a true authentic trio, whereas La Impresa is a collection. So I, I'm i a little surprised that the collection actually came out on top, but I'm not shocked or, or appalled or anything. They, they did to your point, and what we talked about last week is they did draw the attention. They drew all the eyes. They did everything they're supposed to do. Sam Adonis is such a consummate professional. He makes Absolutely. them hard to not talk about. So, I mean, it does not shock me at all. I just, uh, for me, the difference really in, in the way that my mindset was that who was the trio and who was the, uh, you know, who's the sensation. So. Yeah. True.
1: Well, there you have it, uh, for our trios of the year. Again, honorable mention, or honorable mention, Poder del Norte, uh, third place, Legado de Fantasma, NGD in second place, and first place, your winner, La Empresa. Dusty, our third category.
3: Yeah, third category. If you remember from last week, it was Tag Team of the Year. And the rundown was we had Lucha Bros. We had Los Genites del Lare, We had Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight as the MLW LAX team. We had LFI with Dragon Lee and Kenny King and Los Parks from MLW. And our first runner-up, or our, our honorable mention, rather, apologize. Our honorable mention was LFI with Dragon Lee and Kenny King. Third place was Los Genites del Second place was Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight. And first place this year was Pentagon and Phoenix, the Lucha Bros. I- I have to, I mean, like, I I feel like we all knew that the Lucha Bros were going to be number one this year. They had such a big year. They did it all over. They had a big AAA year. They had a big AEW year. It was just really their year. And after such a notable absence last year, it felt like we needed them this year in a way. And it was, we mentioned it last week, it was emotionally rewarding to see them win the titles. That mm-hmm something that we had wanted for a long time in aew and it felt like a recognition of them and a recognition of lucha libre as a whole to the american audience and kind of a tacit approval and kind of this is a cool thing from aew towards lucha libre and we got to see that play out and it was because of the lucha bros and for me that gave them the edge what did you think miranda
1: Yeah, it's hard to argue against that if you listen to last week's episode regarding our candidates for match of the year. They're well, there a few times uh, because it really felt like everything came together for them this year. And they were really just outstanding as a tag team in both AEW and in AAA. And having that consistency between both of those promotions was great. And I just felt like they came into their own. And, of course, still providing amazing matches Um and being in a storylines so that you could – be invested in um the fact that they seem to be the antidote for what uh the young bucks brought and how annoying they were too (laughs) that just is icing on the uh cake there but not not surprised i do have to say i was a bit surprised in the voting for slice and danny um i know that danny in of himself was just you know number one um for our rising star of the year but as a tag team you know, with team him and Slice was a lot more centralized to the West Coast up until just most recently when we saw them win the MLW Tag Team titles. But I do think that them being part of that larger collective of 5150 um yes. really is that platform that they need or that really help with their visibility. And especially more established teams like LFI, Los Parks Los Gigantes de Aire to have them come up in, in second was a surprise to me.
2: Um uh, I feel like we're we're to a couple of things on this. One is the consistency we we uh Danny was the rising star so he's already in our 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 mind but we all without going into too much detail we all agreed that they were that that was a team that was was worth Voting on, yeah. and and uh, yes. that's kind of how that happened. Is we all said yes. This is a team that's worth uh, is noteworthy this year. Um, whether it's based on you know Danny or the titles or the fact that Conan is putting them over right. on the, uh, you know. Let's we can't undersell that Conan is yeah, talking Conan about them too. Yeah, being
3: their, yeah, mm-hmm. their mouthpiece <laughs> and kind of leader, like that's a yeah. big deal. And for Conan to kind of. If you go back to our interview with with Danny Rivera, he mentions that part of what they – the reason he signed with MLW instead of AEW is they said, our plan is to reform LAX. We're going to put you with Conan, and you're going to be our singles guy of the faction. I mean, that is so cool, and the fact that he gets all of that makes him important, and it makes the tag team feel more important, because Danny is an important guy. Yeah,
1: and even, again, too, just having that visibility for Slice. You know, we haven't talked a lot about him. Yeah, he's amazing, too. Yeah,
3: Yeah. him
1: (laughs) and and Slice both featured on New Japan. Um, Slice is much more of the bigger guy, uh, and so he's more of that powerhouse of the entire stable. Um, and I think having that balance as a tag team, they work super well together. As I mentioned, uh are un the United uh, Wrestling Network Tag Team Champions. So if you see United Wrestling Network like Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, I know that expanded to uh to Atlanta, I know that is expanding out and they are working more as a tag team. Uh yeah. PCW Ultra is also I mean um pretty notable. Uh, They're a
2: faction over there, because they've added other West Coast Puerto Ricans to be a faction in PCW.
1: Well, yeah, they're with Papo, you know, and that's also a beautiful thing, too, the fact that they are kind of interwoven between their own group um, with Papo, with Ruby Rays, with 5150, they're they're a tag team, Danny's his own thing, Slice is his own guy, too. So the fact that that's very interwoven and very seamless—that depending on where they are, they can be together, but they can compete independently. That's kind of the beauty of this as well, and yep. why—and um, it's almost very similar to Los Hantes de Aire, where individually they are strong, but together they are, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And so there's very similar shades that I see of them with Los Hantes de Aire. Mm,
2: I agree. I agree. Uh, and that's the one that surprised me is that they actually came out just a little ahead in the voting of, of the Uh yeah. And it's, uh you know, I was, I I was shocked not for a second, but not that surprised because like we talked about, they had the momentum, but you're right. They're both very similar teams and, and uh they're both very similar factions where they're, they're both, we're kind of just waiting for them to explode. So, just a little bit of the momentum. I think Conan and some, some gold gives them mom- at the end of the year gives them momentum going into next year as opposed yeah. to, uh, the, their, the Les Genentes match was at the beginning of the year and a lot of the, the excitement other than Vic right. about them was more towards the beginning of the year. So.
3: Well, and I feel like that kind of. Effects they're yeah. going into the futures because he's obviously going to be focusing on the singles thing right now and won't be working with. I, I, I don't know. Fistelare, probably I, I as much try. at least.
2: Yeah, yeah. make a champion. Why would he? Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> so it. Yeah, I mean, that that affects things, too. I mean, I feel like he – not that he was the sole excitement from that, but I feel like a lot of their popularity carried over from mm-hmm. Vikingo, and just without his je ne sais quoi and the blend, it's not quite the same. And so I think that definitely gives Slice and Danny the edge there.
1: Very true. Well, there you have it for our Tag Team of the Year. Again, an honorable mention goes to LFI, Dragon Lee, and Kenny King. In third place, Los Henedes de Aire. Second place, Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight. And first place, your winners of this category, the Lucha Bros. Well, you know, we are very proud to be part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network where you can find this show and others like our sister show, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast Spanish edition on the network. But you know, at LuchaCentral dot com. But you know what? There's a so so much more that you can find on LuchaCentral dot com. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what else they can find? Well, I can do that, and I
2: absolutely can do that. There's another thing that we were talking about doing. Is this the time that I should do that, or should I just go read the thing, and then we can do that other thing in a second?
1: Well, yeah. Well, let's do this thing first and the other thing second.
2: Okay. Uh okay. Let's do that. So this. many
1: things to do, you guys. <laughs>
2: so if you're listening to this, including all of our show planning in the middle of the show, uh, and you haven't visited Lucha's... We'll
1: do it live.
2: It's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is your online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And guess what, folks? It's still free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre.
1: Before we do that other thing, I do <laughs> want to plug, as we talked about last time, uh, Expo Lucha coming up. Uh, June 11th and 12th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Right now, they have, uh, ticket bundles that are only $60. So two days of expo, uh, essentially that's only $30 plus uh, per day. Um, and again, you have live shows, you get art exhibits, you have, uh, panels, you have so much happening at Expo Lucha this year. As we teased in the last show, Expo Lucha could be a game changer in the way that we do these awards next year. Um, we may get some amazing matches, uh, we may get some, uh, top contenders for categories just by simply the events that are going to happen at Expo Lucha. So make sure to visit ExpoLucha.com. You can also follow Expo Lucha on social media, Expo Lucha Live on Instagram, and you can find information on tickets as well as match and talent announcements already announced for Expo Lucha. Laredo Kid versus Dragon Lee. Something that I certainly would imagine we're going to talk about yeah. uh, you guys are, who year. have
2: both been nominated in this very show so yes yeah uh,
1: also we have a tag team match Damian 666 and Black Taurus versus Ecosis and a Luchador Sorpresa surprise Luchador that will be uh, part of that if you it's totally not Vikingo. <laughs> 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 Look at the picture, you guys. Go to and X- who X- they Lucha. tagged. Yes, photo. Expelucha live on Instagram. <laughs> You'll see what we mean. Super Crazy versus Ultimo Dragon also announced. And then a lot of talent announcements, including uh Gringo Loco, the current NWA World Tag Team Champions, Bestia Six 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 and Make a Wolf, Super Crazy, Super Astro Jr., Mr. Iguana, Pirata Morgan. Juventu Guerrera, Aris, Lady Maravilla, Adio Boy, Uh Solar, Dinables Jr., uh, so, so much more that will be announced over the next few months for Expo Lucha. You just got to make your way to it. It's early enough in the year where you can start making plans for June. Again, yeah. June 11th, June 12th, the 2300 Arena, Philly, baby.
2: Philly. Uh, I just want to – since we talked a little bit about things that happened last time, you mentioned the art exhibits. One cool thing that we got one of the years, and I we may get something like this again, is they had the designer of Rey Mysterio's outfits who did – he basically put like a past and present and even gave us a little tease of some of his future outfits. Uh All on display. You could go up, you could touch him, you could look at the fine detail on it. You could talk to him about the design process that he had in mind when he was doing it. It was a fantastic, fantastic display. Well worth your time. Uh So that's the quality of kind of art events that you're going to get. It's not just like me in the corner making stickers, which I'll probably be doing.
1: Yeah. Uh, So excited for, for Expo Lucha. I cannot wait. I know, you know, Christmas is one thing, but Expo Lucha is its own thing you wait all year for.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, Brendan. In the spirit of having fun and something (laughs) that we talked about last episode, we did have a new category introduced for this year's awards, one that you had a very big hand in introducing. So (laughs) please, let we'd love to uh, add it in this part of the show, our new category for this year and the winner of the category.
2: Yeah, so we decided to not – have a whole bunch of nominees because it's really about one kind of classic moment that we all agreed on on this. This is the cookie sheet of the year, the cookie sheet award, not cookie sheet of the year. That would be silly. Uh, but that is the point of this. It is the most, it's a ridiculous, silly, fun moment that happened throughout the year. And we had two really strong ones. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and mention them both because, uh, they're both kind of, they're both super appropriate and they're both kind of related to each other. Uh, in in that they're both WWE not knowing what to do with luchadors. So so one is Drew Gulak, uh, losing a match and getting a rose in his, his backside from, uh, the, uh, the Lothario, uh, uh, what is his wwe name I angel percent. garza it's I angel garza an angel now yeah but, just
1: angel yes
2: yeah yeah he's,
3: he's always garza jr to me <laughs> right
2: I, I started to say garza jr and i was like oh wait no he's it's wwe yeah. uh and then uh the other one was john morrison being eaten by zombies a lot- <laughs> <laughs> like i, did, I
1: both of these For a things. second, you were like, "Wait, did they do this in Lucha Underground? Is this a Lucha Underground story right? that they just like didn't oh. actually I think it would have been cool to be in Lucha Underground story?"
2: It would it would have been a lot less cringy if it was a Lucha <laughs> Underground story. That's
3: they that's, ate the Miz too, so Johnny Drip Drip, America's most moist, moist wanted, only served <laughs> to wet their appetite.
2: Oh. <God>. You've been sitting on that one,
3: haven't you? (laughs) I I have. (laughs) I thought of it when we were talking about this earlier, and I was like, "Mm, I'm going to pull that out. So
2: good. Um, Oh, So there it is. And this moment of us just generally laughing is what this award is all about. It's just a ridiculous and fun moment that will happen in Lucha Libre. Uh, if you out there are listening and you, you think you see one during the course of the year, just fire it away at us. Cause, you know, we love these things. Even if we don't mention it on the show, we're going to watch it and we're going to giggle, I guarantee. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I love know? the fun ones.
1: Yes. And, uh, well, we'll just see what happens when uh, we do this category next year.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go out out on a limb and say it's probably a WWE
1: moment again but well let us know too your guys thoughts on the cookie sheet award is there (laughs) something that we missed is there an event that you think we should have nominated or discuss more you know hey just uh, let us know on social media your thoughts on the cookie sheet award (laughs) and yeah Shoving a rose up some guy's ass is just... <laughs> it's a
3: weird
2: moment.
1: It's weird, you guys. It's, it's just weird. weird. You thought the that... Was
2: like, Steve Austin hitting people with a bedpan has nothing on a rose in the ass. Just sands.
1: <laughs> All right, back to our okay, well, There's I can't transition. I transition pretty it? well. <laughs> I, I really, I I pride myself in being a transitioner that like can transition from things smoothly. I couldn't. I just couldn't.
2: <laughs> we, yeah. It's just too ridiculous. Too much.
1: It? Too much. <laughs> uh, all right. So we are now in the second half of our nominees, and we have Luchadora of the Year in this category. Nominated was Raquel Gonzalez from NXT uh Miranda Alize from Ring of Honor and across the Independents, Thunder Rosa AEW, Mission Pro Wrestling and La Mera Mera de, really all of the Independents, uh Baronessa and Ring of Honor World Women's Women's World Champion Roxy. So our honorable mention for this category was Baronessa. Third place we had Roxy. Second place, Raquel Gonzalez. And first place, Thunder Rosa. And I think as we've talked about these categories, you know, not super surprising with how uh, the voting played out on, on this. But I want to get your guys' thoughts before jumping in. Uh, Dusty, Brendan, is this what you thought we were going to get for Luchadora of the Year?
3: Honestly, I pretty much yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I pretty much expected Thunder
2: Rosa. I mean, she's to the point that was made last week was she's not really luchadora of the year. She's kind of wrestler of the year. She's yeah. the most right. visible face in in wrestling right now. I mean, she's just all over the place. Um Yeah, it was uh that was not that big of a surprise to me. I am, uh, despite the fact that we talked more about Baronessa in the in last week's episode than any of the other women, but, uh, which I think is how she got into that honorable mention. I'm thinking somebody who talked themselves into uh, some voting. There. And that's very- and
1: again that's very fair as well uh again someone who's making you know really initiating her u.s presence um and someone who in the ring is really talented um Mm -hmm. i saw it firsthand myself and uh just her look as well um someone that i think too really outside of miranda alizé the only masked luchadora on this list um and that too i think lends itself to um you know um to, to something that's very unique um i know too i guess we we kind of talked not necessarily talked a lot about this but you know as far as people that we didn't see on this list is you know a lot of the luchadoras from AAA. Um And I think that was just something that, you know, based off of having more trios matches and not having a lot of singles matches on here was mm-hmm. something um, that, you know. Oh yeah. Also ma-
2: notably missing the CMLL women who uh, just a lot of the time they weren't doing matches in the mm-hmm. early part of this year. And then they finally started doing some tournaments. But uh Nobody really stands out, uh, except for sometimes Dallas stands out in that she does. It's obvious she didn't doesn't really want to lose even when she has to. So, um, it's hard. It was it's hard to put a nominee out there like that. They all had solid years, but they all had very steady years
1: yeah another name too that we again this is more of a recent development and tied to roxy is diana Prazzo. she is the triple a Reina arena's champion but has not defended the title yet <laughs> yeah. um so that too is something that even though she is ranked one of the you know in one of the, the world's best you know wrestlers period you know but also just sort of her presence um in in women's wrestling was someone that until i think we see more of her in uh triple a you know was kind of left out of this category but thunder rosa i completely uh, agree with that she still continued when you i think for thunder rosa is how does she beat what she was able to do last year and I think it was continuing that plus more. Um, and I think that that is really why she stood out as number one this year. A close second, you know, um, was Raquel Gonzalez, who really reached the pinnacle of, of her career, both by, um, winning the inaugural Dusty, uh, tag team, uh, cup on the women's side. Becoming NXT tag team, tag team, women's tag team titles, uh, champions for even just, you know, a night. And then ultimately her, her rise to become NXT women's champion. I think all of that within the NXT system is so notable, uh, for, for her. And of course, Roxy, as we talked about last show, I mean, becoming the youngest, you know, ROH Women's Champion at 19, having a whole career ahead of her and already reaching such a high achievement, being a constant presence uh, throughout the independency scene, defending that belt. Uh, across independent promotions. And that may be the one thing that helps keep the name of Ring of Honor afloat really over, you know, the next few months is we will see her um all, you know, continuing her work throughout the independent scene and a possibly looming, champ you know, uh, person, woman takes all match between her and Deanna Pratt. So, you know, will they, won't they type of thing.
2: Yeah, uh, she's just going to be, we're going to talk about her a lot regardless. She, you know, yeah. we can't, you know, as, as Taya proved, we can't always guarantee what's going to happen. But I mean, even by Taya not being on the list the, for nominees this year, we still end up talking about her. So I feel like Roxy is going to have that same energy for a few years.
3: I agree. I think that, especially because she's so young, that she's going to be almost ever-present in a way, and I hope that it doesn't lead to like people kind of taking it for granted that she's around because she started so young and she's so good. I hope that carries over, that that velocity she's got right now kind of carries her on.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Agreed. And there you have it for Luchadora of the Year with honorable mention going to Baronessa, third place, Roxy, second place, Raquel Gonzalez, and first place, your winner, Thunder Rosa. Uh, Brennan, take it away with our next category.
2: Well, this is the much like the last category, only this is for Luchador of the Year. Uh, we had five nominees, so let's just go over those real quick. We had Io del Velkingo, Aries, LA Park, Laredo Kid, and Roosh. Uh, this one, we, oh, okay, I'm gonna go over some of, we had, the, the results on this one were super interesting the way that they actually spelled out. But so we have two honorable mentions with Aries and LA Park both receiving a nod that they they uh deserve to be mentioned. And then we had Roosh in at uh third place, Laredo Kid and in second, and to no one's surprise <laughs> I'm listening to this, you know, Del came in first. And really I feel like uh so first off we without going into too much detail, we have a way of tabulating the the votes and everyone that voted on this agreed that EO Del Vakingo was luchador of the year there was no questioning he was the top voter by any means
3: absolutely uh, it was unanimous <laughs> that he was luchador of the year
2: yeah, yeah. uh so that that they were really the, the voting kind of really became about who else was going to get get uh the some recognition out of this and as it turns out we were all quite divided it shows just how even the rest of the field was it, if it weren't for the fact that you had this one crazy guy who'd been, we'd been waiting for and had a, had a match that was potentially going to be match of the year pulled out from under the rug on him and still had an amazing match to win, to win that, uh, that title. So, um, you, know, you guys go ahead and fill in your thoughts here.
3: I think that the title match, if he had gotten that Kenny Omega match that Vikingo it would have sealed the deal on him. I think he would have been instant legend, but he's still a very young guy. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing that we didn't get that match. As we see, he's still luchador of the year. He's still the person I think has the most promise of any wrestler, any country in the world next year to become, to blow up and be the guy, to go from like obscurity to the guy. Not that he's obscure, but he's not as well known in America. I think that next year he will be. I think he's going to be a very big deal. And as much as we picked him of Luchador of the Year this year, I feel like he it also sets him up for Luchador of the Year next year in a big way because he's one of very few people that can deliver on the promise. And his promise isn't even as big as his delivery. And so that is so exciting with the del Vikingo, And I, I just don't think anybody can touch him this year. I'm not not sure anybody nation or internationally anywhere can touch him. I
2: I mean, that is, he's kind of the big story in most of the, Mm -hmm. you know, for sure.
1: I mean, I think in second or the second place is really the only person who really can in that international reach. And that's currently Laredo kid. uh, Because I think Laredo kid was in that spot last year when he actually got that rub from Kenny Omega in that championship match. And Laredo Kid is, as, you know, I, I mentioned too, still having that, you know, U.S. presence still being mixed, you know, last year as well. He was, um, you know, briefly with MLW this year. He, he's been making appearances and impact. Um, still someone who's very active in the independent scene as well. So I feel like, you know, Laredo Kid has been in those shoes as Ejo de Vikingo, but I think Ejo's growth and popularity has just, reached new heights in a shorter amount of time and again eos have has gotten this as internationally just by word of mouth without stepping foot in the u.s um whereas everybody else on this list has had some you know u.s presence this year um so i think that too speaks you know layers uh to where everyone is in their career i think you know with roosh um, there could have been more if we, you know, there was just a, you know, the challenges with injury, with Ring of Honor. But again, I think it is that recognition of being the world champion, um, in Ring of Honor, being that person in Ring of Honor as a luchador, um, is still such a, a big, you know uh, yeah. a big deal and I think the family dynamic too is very hard to uh to not be able to acknowledge so I think for Roosh is more of what could have been um yeah. and, and and again it's not necessarily sad but I think it's just more that you know it could have it could have been a different story for Roosh um in this category but I don't know if he would have been able to be eho.
2: Well, that's just it. So, if you eliminate Eho from the whole thing, say that just didn't happen. Roosh and Laredo Kid had would probably have been the two biggest names that we were talking about for Luchador of the year because they were on pace from twenty twenty. But um, you know, some that's that's why they have to they play the games in sports because just because you know it's predicted, you can predict some pretty accurately doesn't mean that you can get it right all the time and. We, uh, but on uh, the other side of that, we knew EO was big and we knew he was going to be big at some point. It was a question of when, not if. So. Yes. Here we go. 100%. You
1: know, well, uh, listeners, that is our luchador of the year category. Again, honorable mentions went both to Addis and, uh, LA Park. In third place, we had Roosh Second place, Laredo Kid. And first place with a perfect score or. If those of us who play Mortal Kombat know Fatality. <laughs> uh That would be, maybe not a perfect score in Fatality. That's just like the landing blow. Forget. Uh, yeah. Flawless Victory is a perfect Flawless. Yeah. There it flawless is. Flawless Victory, yes. yes. It's Ijo de Vikingo, your current AAA Mega Campeon. And last but not least, we have our final category. Dusty, please introduce it.
3: Yeah, our final category, match of the year, and we mentioned it last week. All the matches involved kind of raised the bar a little, but I feel like our choices especially showed which ones raised the bar. I'll run them down. Uh, the choices for this year, the the contenders were Lucha Bros versus Los de del from from AAA Heroes and Mortales. Roxy vs. Miranda Elyse from Death Before Dishonor, Ring of Honor. Um, Balor vs. Carrion Cross 2 from WWE's NXT Weekly Show. Young Bucks vs. Lucha Bros from AEW All Out 2021. And Britt Baker vs. Thunder Rosa Lights Out Match, AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam. And. Our third place, we actually had a tie for third place between Roxy and Miranda Lays from, Bef- from Death Before Dishonor and the Lucha Bros versus Los Enites Delare from Heroes Mortalities, tied for third. Second place was Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros from All Out. And our first place was Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in the Lights Out match from AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam. I feel like that after the conversation we had last week, it was kind of obvious that the number one match had to be Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. In terms of impact worldwide, in terms of changing the game, in terms of cementing somebody as a top caliber talent, this match did so much for both Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. They were names and they were obviously like highlights in women's wrestling, but this match made them both certified stars, like especially Britt Baker. Thunder Rosa was already kind of made. She was NWA women's champion. She was legitimate, but this match legitimized Britt Baker and it, you know, really made them both stars. It changed the game for what women on TV especially can do in America. It was just so unique and so different and had so much emotion. And this was the match we, we touched on it where Thunder Rosa said, I don't want to be Women's Wrestler of the Year. I want to be Wrestler of the Year. And this match did that. She won the feud, won the match, it did so much for her, even though it was an unsanctioned match and she didn't become you know, world champion. I I don't know that anybody needed her to become world champion. It did more for her to win this feud than I think the championship mm-hmm. would have at that time, just Ooh. because the eyes that were on it. At one time, I don't know if it's still the case, this was the most watched TV match in AEW history. And and you can see why when you go back and watch it. It is intense. They, they pull everything out that they've got. But as much as we had – we mentioned this with a few other matches. This was the rare intersection where we had story in the ring versus story in the build. Like it was just everything fired on all cylinders, and these two women were what made it work. It was obviously Match of the Year, Luchadora of the Year, honestly Thunder Rosa Wrestler of the Year. Like it just <laughs> – it But it all ties to this match. Like, this was really her pinnacle for the year, and it's crazy how quickly she did that. Just fantastic. Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, as we mentioned from AEW All Out, they got two highlights this year. Big year for AEW with the Lucha. And just the fact that they're willing to highlight luchadors and luchadoras and highlight that lucha style whereas it feels like wwe tries to squelch it and hide it under a blanket it's just so much going on so exciting. what what do you think brendan what are, what are your opinions on some of these matches
2: well i mean i agree we all kind of got the sense coming out of that conversation that uh, baker thunder rosa is probably going to win i am a little um um, well, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed that the Young Bucks got second place. on <laughs> Like, I just, uh, it, it was a fine That's the dad max.
1: reaction to yeah. it. I'm not yeah. angry,
2: I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed, yeah. Like,
1: you know, they, they,
2: I thought they, I thought I made my case clear that the Jinetes del Eri much. Nah,
1: that
2: like, means just flippy yeah. shit will always win. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of flippy shit.
1: Dumb flippy max. shit. That, yeah, that kind was of shit. There was other with flippy shit. That's why the internet is always so angry. I get that now. I do get that now.
2: <laughs> no, I, there was like uh, yeah, but that's that's where I was at. I uh, and but I also like that we got the got the tie and that the technical masterpiece of the Roxy Miranda Alize match was. uh was was considered enough to, to get into third place. I was looking at the matches it was up against and not thinking it had a chance in hell, really. Just so.
1: I, I would say that... Also, I'm a little proud of myself. Okay, so as you all know, I am not the technical match expert of this trio. Uh, I'm very much more storyline-driven, and I'm much more... Um, you know, uh, I, I just like dumb things, um, not to say what I'm about to say is dumb, but I nominated, you know, the Breaker, uh, Thunder Rosa match, uh, is in this category. It was my only nomination. I really let, you know, I, I trust Brendan and, and Dusty's opinions, uh, regarding matches. And, you know, I didn't know what I could contribute to this. But when I was going through and seeing things, this kind of popped out and this was almost and this was let's let's, you know, peel the curtain back more of a last minute addition. We had some of these other matches listed prior to this one. So I think it does uh, the recency bias does come into play when it comes to uh, things like this, where the more recent matches are mm-hmm. the ones that you tend to think about first. This one being all the way back in the spring was one where we had to do a double take. But also I do think that something that we note about um, with Thunder Rosa and different styles of Lucha Libre, which we see in the first and second, is the very different styles of Lucha Libre. Um, in this, where we do talk about the, the, or see the brawler, more brutal, more violent type of lucha libre, which we, we, especially for women, don't see very often, if ever. Um, but it does exist. And we did see that on American television. And I think Thunder Rosa was the perfect person to do that with, um, compared to the flippy shit of the lucha bros (laughs) and the young bucks. And that's just, you know, two sides of the coin. Not to say that those, are the only sides of lucha libre. There's very much everything in between, as we even see in third place. You know, um, so I think we covered a, a spectrum of different styles of lucha libre. But I think what came out were kind of the the notables of this one with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. This, you know, really being the leading to the end of a contested feud, really helping establish both women in very different ways, and it showcasing again a more violent style of wrestling that was done very well. It was not violence for the sake of violence. And Thunder Rosa is the woman to do this. You know, she is a huge element of Texas wrestling. Uh and of and you know between that and her work all over the world, but especially in Mexico, she was the right person to pull this match off. As much as it did for Brit Baker, Britt I don't think would have known or would have had this pulled off as well if she didn't no. have the right partner in Thunder Rosa.
3: It wouldn't have been yeah. half as good. It's, yes. it's if anybody else, trailer. it wouldn't have been half as yes,
1: good. Yes, Yes, it would have been a lot... Messier, not in the blood and guts type of way, but just in the execution. On the other hand, you have the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks, again, you know, flippy. Everyone has their opinions about it. It's, it's totally fair and justified. Again, as we, <laughs> as we looked at the other end of the spectrum with Lucha Bros and Hientes de Aire, which was much more of a well executed match. Again, I think storyline went out and the big gold belts, you know, like I think championship aspect of it really played out into the story. They were the ones to beat the young bucks out of this annoying rain Mm -hmm. and, um, and I well, love and that. And they aspect. were
3: annoying heels, like the yes. the yeah. Lucha Bros were the faces in that, and the Technicos. You know, like it was just like it felt so good to have the young Bucks <laughs> beaten, and that and that's part of the flippy shit in the match was that the you know the Bucks were healing it up, and yeah. and part of that is the flips and the the, the Bucks style.
1: Yeah. And it, it's again, this is this is not the first time we've seen them in this match. This is not the first time they've told the story, but the way they told it this time, mm-hmm. I think added some more to it. But also for the third place, again, it's almost kind of the the opposites of our first two where you had two more technically sound matches um, in different, you know, types and for different um competitions that I think both were really well noted, um, and I'm I'm glad that they were recognized. It was a very hard uh, category this year, and it was because they were all over the spectrum. I think it was those little nuances, at least for us individually, that stuck to us, that made the difference in um, second, third place, um, and even first place, because there was really a very narrow margin between first and second. Um, very narrow, so it could easily have been flipped. But I think the nuances and what was important to us in the lights out match won over than, uh, you know, the all out match um, from the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks.
3: Yeah, I agree.
2: Super exciting category. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I, I, I expect that's going to be true every year, that it, it's going to be hotly contested and. and Passionately argued, you know, every year. But yeah. uh yeah, this this year you could see it. I mean, it, we, I can. I'm looking at the results, and I can see how the the voting actually went down. And yeah, it was the narrowest of margins all the way across. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't even there's not even that much difference between first and third place in the yeah. in the voting. So
1: yes. there you go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, match of the year again. Third place was a tie between the Lucha Bros and Los Cientes de Aire from AAA Heroes in Mortales in October, Uh as well as Roxy versus Miranda Alizé for the ROH Women's World Championship at Death Before Dishonor. Second place, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros for the AEW uh, World Tag Team titles at All Out 2021. And your winners, first place, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, the lights out match from AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam on the March 17th edition of Dynamite. Our winners, our number one match of the year, as voted by us here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast team Again, let us know your thoughts on all of our winners, our nominees uh, on social media. I'm going to do one more time. Ask the guys for your social media. So, Dusty, where can our listeners find you?
3: I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy.
1: And, Brendan, where can our listeners find you?
2: I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers, 321, and T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I'm all over the Twitters.
1: And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook also, don't forget to check out luchacentral.com, your centralized place for all things lucha libre. You can follow, uh, lucha central on social media at luchacentral.com. or I'm sorry, at lucha central on Facebook. I believe in uh, Facebook and Instagram and at luchacentral.com on Twitter.
4: Correct. Uh,
1: Yes, and uh, make sure to follow Lucha Central, of course, for all of your weekly news and results from the world of pro wrestling. Of course, make sure to follow Lucha Central for news regarding the upcoming Expo Lucha event happening in June. You know, we're going to be talking about it as we get through 2022. And thank you all once again for another year with us here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. I'm going to let each of the guys give their own little thank yous and thoughts of the year. So, Dusty, feel free to let our listeners know your thoughts, appreciations, anything uh, regarding this year in the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast.
3: Um, I, I really had a great time doing the podcast with you guys again this year. Enjoyed it last year. It's one of the highlights of my week every week to do the podcast. I love hearing from the fans when they have something to say about the show or when I post some of my masks on Instagram, on the stories I hear from fans once in a while, I, I hope we get more of that fan engagement in 2022. You guys are really the reason why we do this. We don't do it for ourselves so much. And so I would love to have more of that. Uh, you know, tag us in things. The cookie sheet matches, matches you think are match of the year, uh, you know, people you think are luchador of the year. Let us know. You know, maybe we'll try to find some way to incorporate that with the fans next year. So keep us yeah. posted.
1: And Brendan, thoughts on 2021, anything about the show, anything you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Well, I'm going to echo Dusty and thank uh, the fans for being fantastic, and and, uh, hopefully we continue to have more interaction. I hope to see a whole lot of people that listen to the show at Expo Lucha uh, and other events, but for sure we're all going to be at Expo Lucha, so that's the one I'm going to push uh, I also want to thank both of you guys for making this a fun thing to do every week. Um, yeah. Even, you know, it's uh, even the weeks like this where we're doing two or three, it's still a highlight of the week every time. Uh And then uh I'm going to do, I'm going to take the time here. I'm going to thank all of the zebras, the referees out there for doing this job, because I mean, even though you're the ones that get made fun of when you get super kicked and are knocked out for five years and, You, uh, obviously blind as a bat and missing all of the, the, the international objects that come into the ring. You're always there to be part of the show to make everybody look better, make everybody feel better, and keep everybody safe. So thank you to you guys too.
1: Uh, I would also like to thank all of the listeners everyone who's listened whether this is your first episode or been with us uh, over this year we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to listen to our show uh, for the feedback that you've provided to us for uh, just being a part of our week to week um brendan and dusty are great co-hosts and a, a great team i feel really fortunate to be able to have learned continuously from both of you guys and be on a team uh, like this i am so appreciative and and grateful for you guys as co-hosts because i would literally be lost without <laughs> you um also, a big thank you to LuchaCentral.com, our uh, home, uh, the place that we've been able to have this podcast on, uh, the place that we've been able to represent this year. It is truly a, uh, an honor to be part of that uh, podcast network and also the website uh, and also to the boss people, uh, Kevin Kleinrock, uh, and Ruben Zamora from Mass Republic, uh, who help in our kind of co-partners with luchacentral.com and, uh, you know, people who we shout out all the time, but w- this would not be possible without both of you. We are excited for everything that's to come for Lucha Central and Mass Republic in 2022. And we just are so appreciative to have the opportunity to uh, help represent those brands um, and, and doing that through the podcast and also through uh, various types of events and coverage of so many things. Uh, and also our partners at thechairshot.com, a special shout out to our producer, Greg DeMarco, uh, who constantly is, you know, someone who is doing a lot of behind the scenes work and also this year distributed our show through thechairshot.com to get us to a new audience. Uh, Thank you, Greg, for the work that you do putting us up every week. Thank you for adding us to the ChairShot Radio Network and giving us a second home um, and constantly reminding me to send you files. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So that's just a a way to uh, thank all of the people who make this show possible on a weekly basis uh, we are going to be back in 2022. We're going to keep on rolling with this. Uh, more interviews to come. Please make sure to check out our interviews from this year. Uh, we've definitely had a lot of great interviews uh, in that have been, um, you know, uh, wonderful to conduct. And we hope that you guys all listen to, uh, special content out there that, well, really you can't find anywhere else. Make sure to listen to the Lucha Central Podcast Network on luchacentral.com. And of course, all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, Spotify, uh, Podbase Speaker, iTunes, and much, much more. Just find luchacentral.com or luchacentral podcast network. Wherever you are, and with that, we've ended our end of year awards. We've ended 2022 or 2021. Uh, I just jumped to the future there. Don't
2: don't end 2022 yet. I need to see it.
1: Uh, (laughs) Looking forward to 2022 with uh, this these two guys here, as well as all of you. So, for Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much, and we'll be with you next week.
4: tiempo en esta esquina del santo y el cavernal.